in order to reassure the world that they won't be used. Locally, and shoppers in Hertfordshire have more stores at their disposal, it seems. New research has found one in seven shops in Britain still empty, though Rickmansworth comes out of the place in the whole country that's got a jam-packed high street. That's despite a series of schemes to try to revive the traditional high street. The local data company analysed nearly 2,000 centres and retail parks and said vacancy rates were still very high. The Customer Service Centre at Aylesbury Vale District Council is closed this morning after a flood over the weekend. People are instead being asked to go to the council offices in Gatehouse Road. Now, researchers have called for a change in the regulations covering commercial baby food in the UK. It comes after finding that some of the most popular products are less nutritious than homemade food. A new report says many foods aren't suitable for weaning because they just simply don't introduce different flavours or even boost energy intake. Well, Professor Charlotte Wright from Glasgow University worked on the research. Looking at all the commercial baby foods, nearly half were aimed at children aged only four months so two months before the recommended age of weaning. Although we know that's perfectly within the regulations and the rules as they stand now, our proposal is that it's about time those regulations changed. And Asian girls who become targets of sexual grooming are being let down by authorities. That's according to campaign group Muslim Workings Network. They say agencies are failing to identify or support victims, many of whom are from British Pakistani backgrounds. In sport, the England manager Roy Hodgson's confirmed Frank Lampard will win his 100th cap in tonight's World Cup qualifier. Lampard will join teammates Stephen Gerrard and Ashley Cole in reaching the milestone. So the weather, dry and bright to start with, could see a little bit of shower later on. Temperatures reaching. 16 degrees Celsius. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. You got the timing absolutely spot on. Thanking you. Just for you, that was. You've gone over it now. That's because of you, though. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. The BBC has splattered everywhere across the papers today with huge payoffs and bosses lying or not lying or she said this and he said that. I've got a question for the bigwigs at the BBC. When are you going to fix the light bulb in the disabled toilets at BBC Three Counties Radio? Come on, even disabled people need lights when they're having a wee. Not blind people. They probably don't need lights. I don't know, do they? It's a mystery. 08459 455 555. But that's the real scandal at the BBC, dear listener. Forget these huge £650,000 payoffs. We want a light bulb in the disabled toilets of BBC Three Counties Radio. Right, that's that rant over. Let's see what we've got on the show, shall we? Lots. A protest is taking place this morning ahead of a public inquiry into plans to build an incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hertfordshire. We'll be giving you the latest on that in just a few minutes. A new survey reveals that 93% of us almost never trust our politicians. Well, that means 7% do trust them. Very simple question. Do you trust politicians? And oh, can you hear the spring in my voice, the joy in my tone? I'm happier now because it's proper British weather. But what do you prefer, cold and damp or hot and sunny? I mentioned this to Dealey yesterday. What? What are you talking about, geese? Come on, big man, that's nonsense. I think there are more people like me who prefer the weather like this. We're used to it. We know what to expect and how to handle it. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. 
Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. A protest is taking place this morning ahead of a public inquiry which starts today into plans to build an incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire County Council approved the plans for the new Barnfield waste plant near Hatfield last October. Well, that decision will now be reviewed by an independent planning inspector over the next two months. We'll be uh, speaking to Justin Dealey live with some of the protesters a bit later on in the show. But right now I'm joined by Cathy Rowe from Hatfield Against Incineration. Uh, Cathy, I-, I guess this is uh, some sort of consolation that it's gone to a public inquiry. Oh, yes. We've been waiting for this public inquiry for a long time now. We're meeting today, as you say, at 9.30, the Fielder Centre on the Hatfield Business Park. We're meeting outside and then the inquiry is starting at 10. And for us, this will be the first time we've actually heard the arguments all put in front of an independent person. And so we're, we're very optimistic that this time we will be listened to and people will take notice. What's your problem with the incinerator, Cathy? Why are you so against it? We're against it because it's not needed. This is the thing, it's not needed, and it certainly isn't needed on that particular site they're proposing, New Barnfield, near Hatfield, Wellham Green and Coney Heath. It is far too big for any real need that Hertfordshire has. It's 380,000 tonnes per year. They don't need an incinerator. They don't need to build, burn that much waste. It's also far too big on one site. There's no reason to burn all your waste on one site. Absolutely ridiculous amount of impact on one area and its people. And, of course, this particular site we're saying is uh, not, not the least worst site. Let's put it like that. There are other sites, if they had to build one huge one, which we're saying they don't, there are other sites that would be less harmful. Supposing, Cathy, they built a smaller one on that site, would that solve your, your problem? The, we think there are other sites which would be better for even a smaller one. Mm, other sites, even, even yes, other sites in Harbourture that so would actually be less harmful, even for a smaller one. This is a very, this site is right next to, as I think you know, a school for children with special needs. Yep. It's right next to people's homes. Right. You know, it is right next to uh, areas which have traditionally been for residents' amenity. There was, a, there was a library on this site. There was another school on this site which had been moved off specifically to clear it. It's near a rec- recreation grounds. It's near a cemetery. It's why, does it, why does it being near to a, a school for disabled children and near a cemetery um, mean that it can't be there? Well, partly because of the traffic, of course, because the traffic has to get to the uh, incinerator. Huge HGVs from all over the county, possibly if they need to, to keep it going from further than across the county. Huge lorries going along uh, a road past people's houses and then a road past this school. And of course, these HGVs, you know, diesel fumes, noise, uh, lots of them, lots and lots of them. So uh, largely traffic, but also, of course, the size of it, too. Uh, I think a lot of people still haven't realised just how huge this building would be 45 metres high dome, that's the height of a block of flats, you know, plus on top of that, the chimneys, up to 75 metres, and plus on that, of course, 
the plume of emissions coming out, visible, not all the time, but quite a lot of the time. So a very, very noticeable structure looming over everything near it, you know, even probably taking the light from the, the school, um, certainly over areas where people traditionally go walking or on a public footpath through a wildlife site, looming over that. There is an argument, Cathy, isn't there, that this, this plant will generate a lot of electricity. That's got to be a good thing, hasn't it? It will generate electricity. It's very controversial, in fact, though, um, this one, particularly whether, in fact, it, it generates um, electricity in an efficient way because they have not yet got anyone also take its heat. Um, even if you do have these things, the most efficient ones actually generate ele- electricity and have takers for the heat. And, of course, this is not the best way of generating electricity because what we could be doing with our waste is not burning it as fuel, um, creating CO2, going into the, you know climate change. Um, what we should be doing with our waste is reduce, reuse recycle. I mean, this is what the county councils say themselves, but they don't seem willing to try to really implement it. Cathy, we, we have to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. Cathy Rowe, obviously very passionate from Hatfield against incineration. If you live in the area or if you, you know a thing or two about incinerators, do give us a call 08459 455555 You can um, send me a text or three. start your text 3CR or go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR Do you trust your politicians? Apparently 93% of us don't Well they seem like quite decent people don't they? For the most part 08459 455555 
a bit silly, Michael Jackson, wasn't he, really? And apart from the fact he was in, being injected with uh, horse tranquilizers every day, the, the music was a little bit... Um... Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't forget, there's a podcast out of the show. A what? You can carry me around in your pocket. Go to iTunes and type in Ian Lee BBC or go to the BBC Three Counties webpage, click on podcasts and download from there. I have to say, the one we released on Friday, probably my favourite podcast, What I've Ever Done. Want to hear Chris phoning up and singing Cliff Richard songs down the phone? I say down the phone. He's about half a mile away from the phone when he's doing it. You do? Oh, then go and download it. It really is a treat. Uh, It's a quarter past six. Let's get the travel now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Good morning. Everything looking nice and clear on the roads. No delays as of yet on the M25 and the M40 is looking pretty clear around High Wycombe as well. And no delays that I can see on the A1 or the A1M. On the trains, though, we have a bit of disruption for First Capital Connect. Delays of up to 15 minutes are possible already between Peterborough and King's Cross and Letchworth Garden City and Moorgate. This is because of a signalling problem at Hitchin, and it means that trains are running at a reduced speed on the London-bound lines. We've also got issues for the Northern Line tube. That is suspended between Hampstead and Edgware. Minor delays for the rest of the line, down to a signal failure at Golders Green. So if you're making a journey toward London, that's not ideal. Luton Airport, if you're making a flight today across toward France and some other European destinations, you could be disrupted because industrial action's being taken by air traffic control workers in France. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. French air traffic controllers taking industrial action. I'll have none of it. It's 6.16. It's Tuesday the 10th of September. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Protesters are today fighting against plans to build an incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hertfordshire. President Obama says a Russian scheme designed to prevent US military strikes against Syria is a positive development. And in sport, the England manager has confirmed Frank Lampard will win his 100th cap in tonight's World Cup qualifier. Coming up... Warm and sunny or cold and damp? Which do you prefer? Come on, you're British. You like the weather when it's like this. You don't know how to behave in the heat. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. This week on EastEnders. Have you forgotten what she did to us? Has she ripped the heart from our family? She's done her time, so will they forgive? She's not some sort of monster. You haven't got to be scared of her. And can they forget? She was his mum for three and a half months. 106 days if you count in, because I was. Ronnie's back. Close your eyes long enough and the problem just disappears. Well, not this problem. EastEnders, every night this week, continues tonight at 7.30 on BBC One and BBC One HD. Now, uh, yesterday we were saying if we did an album of a week, which we don't because it's a very lame, dated Ken Bruce concept, uh, it would be Meet Glen Campbell. But it would be Meet Glen Campbell every week forever because this is the greatest record of all time. No, oh, it's... Oh, producer Tara, don't pull that face. It's the greatest record of all time, ever. Better than Sergeant Peppers and indeed the Pet Sounds. Better than um, the Beach Boys. And the monkeys. Pet Sounds is the Beach Boys album. So, uh, we uh, basically, I've been. Uh, I cannot stop listening to this record. It's, it's truly marvellous. Every song in there is a hit. Isn't it a CD? And I uh, yesterday asked Kelly Betts to pick a track at random, not track eight, um, and you picked track five, and it was. It really was a lot of fun, wasn't it? We really thoroughly enjoyed that song. Mm. 
yeah. So I'm going to let you pick another song today. Thank you. Between uh, one and ten. But not eight. Not eight. Or five. Or five. We had that one already. Okay. And I guarantee, I guarantee it's going to be a humdinger. And then we'll get your little thoughts on it afterwards. Excellent. And you're a fan of Glenn, aren't you? Glenn Campbell. That's who we're yes. talking about, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. sure. Between one and ten. Three. I don't know what this one is. It's Ooh. A, it's a... Let's have a little look. We do the CD there. Let's see who this is. Uh, this is track three. This is called... So this is his album of covers, uh, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, this is good! Uh, Angel Dream by Tom Petty. Can we have the one about Jesus? No, we're not... No, 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 no. Have a listen to this. This is fantastic. We'll get Kelly Betts' uh, opinion on it. After this, Glen Campbell, Angel Dream. I dreamed you I saw your face Fantastic. I'm looking on Amazon. I see they've released... They've released a version with bonus... They've released a version with bonus tracks, Kelly Betts. Have they? Yeah. How many bonus tracks? Um, five. Is there a Lady Gaga cover on there? What did you think of that one? It was the exact same as yesterday. But today. No, it was... It was... not the... I thought... It seemed the same as... It was, uh, different. Oh. It's quite bouncy. Okay. Maybe tomorrow, pick um, a different track. Okay. Thanks very much indeed. There we go. I, I, I think that she's being unfair. I think it's wonderful. I know that you've got musical taste as well, dear listener, and you were, of course, uh, agreeing with me. So, um, there. I mean, she works at BBC Introducing. What would she know about music? Justin Daly, you enjoyed that, didn't you? Yeah, it was nice. Uh, wh- where's the Engelbert, though? Sorry? Engelbert Humperdinck. There's, there, there's no Engelbert, I'm afraid. Why? 
Now, Justin, mm. you um, are a miserable so-and-so. We all know not that. Not true. Not true. Very true. Not true. Um, and you are really not enjoying this weather at the moment, are you? Oh, it's horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. You it's freezing cold this morning. It's just miserable. This is partly why I enjoy it so much, because you hate it. You came in um, wearing a scarf and wearing like a sort of very weird quilted puffer jacket. Uh, yeah, designer, you mean, yeah. Designer. 2013 fashion. Come on, it's not 1971 now, Ian. Come on, Well, it, on. Looks like you, it looks like you've... You were in your school kit. Really? Yes. Oh. Did, did your mum choose that one for you? No. Funny you should say that yesterday had some very good feedback on that jacket. <laughs> good feedback on a jacket? What an idiot! Okay. I, I, I genuinely, I, I, this isn't me being contrary, I love the weather like this. When we were, when it was the last day of summer, I was thinking, great, fantastic, we're going to get cold, damp days, it's dark in the morning, it's dark at night, people are wearing coats, women have covered themselves up. They're not walking around like prostitutes anymore. I just love this weather. I think it's fantastic. Why are you so weird? It's not weird. I am British, Justin. I am genetically programmed to prefer this over the heat. I don't... I can't understand nor comprehend the heat. It has been a fantastic summer. I think during the summer months uh, with the weather, everyone seems to have been on a bit of a high. They're feeling good about themselves. This week, I've noticed a change in people because really? of the weather. Yesterday, it was a dreadful day. How you can enjoy that? But in saying that, Ian, on Saturday, I was talking to a doorman. Uh, to be brutally honest with you... He wouldn't let you in, would he? No, he, he let me in, but Eventually. it was full of very rough people, so I felt quite scared, so I stood near to the doorman, and I said to him, uh, it's a bit cold, isn't it? He said, yeah, I actually prefer it, because um, in the summer, I have to wear my bomber jacket to work, but in the winter, ah. I feel good about myself. Ah. In the I winter, he, he doesn't have to wear his bomber jacket to work, is that what you're saying? No, he still does. He still does. He still does, but it was just... Okay. I, I don't get it, in. I, okay. I don't... I don't. Well, get the, I don't talk to you for your opinions, Justin. Yep. I care not a jot, but I, I do care for the people that you've been speaking to. Absolutely, because, um, as you know, I'm a summer boy. I like it hot and sunny. For some strange reason, you like it cold and damp. So I've been asking people out of those two which do they prefer, and this is what people had to say. Hot and sunny. Makes you feel better. I mean, Ian's saying he prefers cold and damp. What's your reaction to that? You're looking at me strangely. Well, that's very odd. The sun. And you've just come back from a holiday today. Yes. How does it feel to be here, freezing cold? Brilliant. I'm static. (laughs) Hot and sunny. (laughs) What do you think about those people like Ian Lee, who thinks... It's fun to be having cold and damp weather. And be honest. It's a bit strange, I'm not going to lie. Hot and sunny. Hot and sunny. You like it hot and sunny, don't you, sir? Yeah, yeah. Do you know anybody who likes cold and damp weather? I don't think nobody likes it. I like it hot and sunny, but when it's damp, it's good for the garden. (laughs) He actually prefers it cold and damp. I mean, I know he's a bit strange anyway, but do you think he's even stranger now? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Yeah, must be, when it's cold and damp. (laughs) Very odd man. (laughs) Thank you. Cheers. Most certainly hot and sunny. Yes, most certainly. Nice tan, by the way. Thank you. Cold and damp. What? Hate the sun. Because I burn really easily. Oh, you've got ginger roots, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Personally, yeah, uh, cold and damp. Yeah, because, you know, the, I'm originally from a country where, you know, they've used the hot weather, yeah? Yeah. And I really love this weather, raining, cold, and... Uh, Here we go. I don't like sun, yeah. And, and it, especially, you know, when it's raining and a cloudy weather, yeah, it yeah. makes me, you know, the more uh, excited. And the one Are more... you winding me up here? <laughs> no, no. So, so when you see rain, it makes you excited? Yeah. When it's uh, sunnier, uh, it's just, um, you know, the personally I get tired uh, 
uh, quickly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so, to be honest, yeah, in a sunny day, in a sun, in a hot weather, I don't like to work here. Yeah? I just want to, you know, become more lazy, yeah. And uh, it uh, thing is. So you've woken up today and you're excited. Very the, excited. The, very excited. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I agree. That fella has summed it up for me, Justin. When it's yeah. hot and sunny, I get lazy, I get lethargic. When it's cold and damp, boom, where do you want me, boss? What, hey, what am I lifting? I, I've got his number. You want to go and hang out with that man, because if he's excited by the rain, he's clearly as weird as you. Where are you off to this morning, Justin? Um, I'm going to be asking people about MPs. Uh, a new survey out today saying I think it's 93% of people do not trust MPs. We're going to be asking about that. And then, of course, uh, the public inquiry into the incinerator at Hatfield. That starts today. I'm going to be live in Hatfield after 8 o'clock. Justin, thank you very much. That's how good he is. He was talking up to the vocal without even knowing it was playing. A pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. They took all the trees, put them in a tree museum. And they charged the people a dollar and a half just to see them. Seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. Hey, farmer, farmer, put away the DDT now. Give me spots on my apples, or leave me the birds and the bees. Please don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Late last night, I heard the screen door slam And a big yellow taxi took away my old man Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you've got till it's gone We paid paradise, put up a parking lot But you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. They paradise, put up a parking lot. <laughs> don't like that bit. I love that song, apart from that silly bit at the end. Thank you, Johnny Mitchell. It's uh, 6.29. You're listening to BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Bit of disruption on the trains already this morning. First Capital Connect affected with delays of up to 15 minutes from Peterborough toward King's Cross and from Letchworth Garden City toward Moorgate. It's down to a signalling problem at Hitchin and trains are running at a reduced speed on the London-bound lines. Services from Peterborough are not going to be calling at Hitchin until they've got this sorted. And again, if you're going into London, Northern Line Tube. Minor delays between Camden Town and Edgware after a signal failure at Golders Green earlier this morning. Looking at the roads, quiet at the minute. M25 starting to slow a little bit through the roadworks from Potter's Bar toward the A1M. 
Beaconsfield, you've got some temporary traffic lights on the A355. It looks like they've got two sets up, the first near Burnham Road and the second just after the junction with Hare Hatch Lane. It was definitely quite slow through there yesterday morning. Things looking good on the rest of the main routes through the three counties, though. No trouble on any of the other motorways or main A roads. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. For six, I'm Serena Farrow with the headlines. Protectors are fighting against plans to build an incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hertfordshire. In other news, President Obama says a Russian scheme designed to prevent US military strikes against Syria is a positive development. Now, researchers have called for a change in the regulations covering commercial baby food. It's after finding some of the most popular products are actually less nutritious than homemade food. And the number of people driving vehicles at House and Quarry near Luton have been stopped. It follows numerous complaints from the public about riders causing a nuisance. That's the news now let's move on to the morning sport Three Counties Sport BBC Three Counties Radio Tennis and Rafael Nadal's won the US Open to become a 13-time Grand Slam champion. He beat Novak Djokovic in four sets in a final at Flushing Meadows. The victory comes just seven months after returning from a long-term injury. And Nadal can scarcely believe what he's done. I never thought that something like this could happen. I just was excited to be back on tour, trying to be competitive. But never thought about... Uh about competing for all what I competed this year, no? all the Masters Thousands, two Grand Slams, or three. So it's just uh, more than a dream for me and unit luck to, to be where I am today. Turning to football, England manager Roy Hodgson's confirmed Frank Lampard will win his 100th cap in this evening's crucial World Cup qualifier against Ukraine. Lampard will actually join teammates Stephen Gerrard and Ashley Cole in reaching that milestone, but he won't be leading the team out. Several players from our local sides were involved in internationals last night. Watford goalkeeper Jonathan Bond was a sub with the England under-21s. They drew one all against Finland in their Euro 2015 qualifier. For Ireland under-21s versus Germany, Watford's Sean Murray played with Hornets teammate Connor Smith on the bench. Wickham's Charles Dunn also a sub. That ended 1-0. To Belgium. Luton Town striker Paul Benson says they'll score more goals as the season progresses. The Hatters failed to score for the fourth time in seven games in the 0 0 draw with Grimsby at the weekend, but Benson says it will improve. We could do with maybe a little bit of luck, but you know, I think I think luck, luck evens itself, itself out over the course of a season, so um, let's try and improve our, our attacking play, which we, which we do in training, you know, to be fair to, to the gaffer, he's worked on it quite a lot, but I think, you know, I think we'll find that as the season goes on, we'll, we'll get stronger and stronger. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at seven. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, I'm disappointed the phone lines haven't lit up with people supporting my stance on the weather. Come on, Britain, come on, Beds, Hearts and Bucks, come on, Three Counties, you know it makes sense. We prefer the weather when it's like this, even if it just means we can have a good old whinge about it. Of course we prefer it like this. 08459 455 555. In the next 30 minutes, we'll be talking about politicians. Do you trust them? But before that, support for blind and partially sighted people has declined dramatically in the last decade. That's according to a leading charity. A report out today by the RNIB predicts that if the trend continues, in 10 years' time, newly blind people will receive no help from their local council. 
There's also a squeeze on the number of rehabilitation officers who help people when they first lose their sight. In Buckinghamshire, there are three officers, which means they each have to deal with around 71 people who lose their sight in any one year. Well, I'm joined now by Eleanor Bullimore, who is the charity's regional campaigns officer for the South East, which covers Buckinghamshire. Morning, Eleanor. What's the situation like in Buckinghamshire? Well, the situation in Buckinghamshire is is very representative of what's going on across the entire country at the moment, which is a huge number of people losing their sight every year and a decline in the amount of support that's available for them, both immediately after they lose their sight, but also ongoing social care. So what what kind of uh, assistance are people missing out on? Describe what, what, what would happen. Well... Immediately after you lose your sight, there's a lot of services that would be very helpful in helping you kind of continue living independently and with dignity and would cut down on the amount of support that you might need later. And those services will range from emotional support to helping people with mobility so that they can still get out and about and identify their local area. Um, it might be help with cooking or getting dressed and things like that. One of the statistics you've uh, highlighted is the small number of rehabilitation officers uh, at councils. Now, obviously, they're, they're incredibly important. Um, it, why are we losing these, these councillors? Is it to save money? Is it because people don't realise just how significant they are? It's been a downward trend over the last few years, and we believe that's because government hasn't placed a big enough emphasis on the importance of rehabilitation at a local level. Um, so, yeah... <laughs> Councils are, are, are forced with, with making cuts, aren't they? And they do have to make difficult decisions about where to spend their money. Um, I, I, I guess you would say to the councils that this is the wrong place to be making cuts. Well, we would. I mean, obviously everyone is making cuts and there are declines going on right the way across the board. But what we say is that people with sight loss are being the worst affected at the moment. And the thing around rehabilitation and social care is it's one of those situations where if you spend the money early on, it cuts down on the need later on. What would you like to see done, Eleanor? Well, first of all, we would like people to have access to re- rehabilitation services um, so that they can get back on their feet as soon as they've been diagnosed. We also believe that that rehab shouldn't be limited to the six weeks that we're seeing in some places. Um, and we'd like assessments for long-term care to, be, to properly recognise the barriers that blind and partially sighted people are facing. 71 people uh, losing their sight in Buckinghamshire in a year... I, I, I can't think of anything that, that, that much more terrifying than that. It, it, it must just be such an incredible shock. Well, yes, and not just for the individual, but also for the family. Um, because the care isn't in place at a local level, we're finding increasing numbers of people are turning to friends and family to help them out with things. So it's, it's a wide-ranging impact. It's everything from your ability to get dressed, keep your house clean, get out and about, be sociable... Um, and if you're having to rely on your friends and family to help you to do that, then obviously that's a massive impact on the community. Eleanor, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate uh, the important message this morning. Eleanor Bullimore from uh, RNIB. 08459 455 555 is the phone number if you want to have a comment on that. We'll be talking in a few minutes about politicians. Do you trust them? A survey says that 93% of us don't. Well, that means that 7% of us do. I don't particularly have a problem with politicians. I think, for the most part, they do a fairly decent job and there are one or two bad apples. Hey, there are one or two bad apples who work at the BBC. Know what I'm saying? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. So, politicians, do you trust them? Very superstitious Writings on the wall 
is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Some people will look, uh, 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 it is a sick joke that we played Stevie Wonder after that story. It's just the way the computer popped the song out. 08459 455 555. We were uh, just speaking to Eleanor Bullmore, Bullimore from uh, RNIB about the squeeze being put on, um, well, blind people and as much as they're not getting perhaps as much help as they should do. Joyce is in Leegrave wants to talk about this. Morning, Joyce. Hi, good morning. Joyce, what can I do for you this morning? Well, the, the last health minister... Yes. Um, I, we wrote to, we, the library, Leegrave Marsh here, they were very helpful to compile this letter for me. Yeah. Because we wanted uh, to ask him, look, disabled people... Uh, rightly so, wheelchairs, frames, toilet raises, seats, etc., etc. Blind or partly sighted people get a radio on loan, uh, which is good, we could listen to you, obviously. Well done. Yeah, a white stick, yep. and little red stickers to stick on the numbers on the cooker, on the washer. Yep. That's it, full stop. Oh. Now then, why are we discriminated when we asked if they... At that time, it was about £1,300. It was like a laptop, as you can see, your laptop. I don't know what you called it. It had a special number name. And you lifted the lid up, and when your letters came, you could put the letter in, lift the lid up, put the letter in, and it reads it out loud to you. Oh, I see. That's very clever. Independent. Yes. Now... Obviously, no, they couldn't do that. And he refer- the health minister referred me to get in touch with social services. Yes. Of course, social services then, you have to do how much you've got in the bank, what you've this, what you've that. Oh. And in the end, you know you're not going to get anything. And uh, with the, all the paperwork and everything, no, there is nothing much that will help the partially sighted our blind people to help live So what's life. interesting there, Joyce, is that you are um, separating yourself slightly from other, in inverted commas, disabled people. Yeah. Um, a- a- and you feel that they are getting treated better than blind people. Yes, I do. I do. Because they've got far more things bath seats that lift up and they, or some, you, you work it out some let me play devil's advocate if you don't mind for a second some might argue that bath seats that lift up and raised toilet seats and wheelchairs are more essential um than a machine that reads your mail i'm not necessarily saying that's what i think i'm just saying some people might think that couldn't you get a neighbor to do it for you no, no, you want your independency, don't you? Yep. Like your mum would, or you would. Yes. You want to live your life as long as you can, the way you used to. Of course you do. So you have to fight for your rights, yep. and have to carry on as you did, and feel good about it. Not You're like right. poor little me with a shawl around you. Why should you? You're absolutely right. Joyce, can I ask you one more question while I've got you? Right. Which weather do you prefer, hot and sunny, or cold and damp? <laughs> to be quite honest, I like cold and damp. Thank you. <laughs> at last, Joyce, at last, someone speaking sense. We we British people don't know how <laughs> how to react to the hot weather, do we? It's rather fun, actually, watching the kids splashing in the pond. There the you basement. go, you see, watching the kids splash. <laughs> I-, I thought you said you were blind. Yeah, but you can. You have to keep your eyes on the floor and you notice that oh, thing. Ah, I see. Well done, <laughs> jo- Joyce. Thank you very much indeed. Joyce speaketh, senseth. It is fun. Puddling, we call it. Should we go puddling? So you just go and jump in puddles. Wonderful. Of course. And listen, I've, I've had a, a, a stroppy text from uh, Nick. If you like the cold weather, move to the North Pole. I don't like it Arctic or Antarctic. I don't like it that cold. I just like it grey 
October evenings at about half past five. Oh, wonder the best time of year. I like it cold and damp. I don't like it freezing cold. That's ridiculous. Uh, Helen, oh, Helen, look. Helen, marry me. I love the weather cool and raining. Dark nights. I suffer with cancer and the hot weather does not agree with me. So bring on the rain and the wind. It makes me feel alive. Wind makes Helen feel alive. You see... 08459 455 555 If you're honest with yourself, search inside your soul for the hero within yourself, whatever. You will find uh, that actually you prefer the cold and the damp. It suits us. We are British. It's what we need. We like to grumble. 08459 455 555. It's a quarter to seven. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Not too much going on on the roads at the minute. It's generally quiet everywhere, apart from the M25, which is starting to slow through the roadwork section. So you're going to find it a little busy as you make your way past Junction 25 on the anti-clockwise side toward Potter's Bar. And once you get beyond there, it's a reasonably clear run until you get as far as Kings Langley and the junction with the A41. And then around at the M40, it might slow down a little bit again as well. Though on the M40, it's looking good and there's no trouble on the M1 or the A1 this morning. On the trains, though, First Capital Connect, I'm afraid there are delays of up to 15 minutes. This is Peterborough to Kings Cross and Letchworth Garden City to Moorgate because of signalling problem at Hitchin. Trains are running at a reduced speed on the London-bound lines and services coming from Peterborough will not be calling it Hitchin until that problem has been sorted. Northern Line Tube runs with minor delays Camden Town to Edgware because of a signal failure at Golders Green a bit earlier this morning. And if you're making a flight today from Luton, possibly across toward France or Europe, air traffic control workers in France are taking industrial action, so your flight could well be disrupted. So do check before you head off to the airport. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Speak to you in 15 minutes. Right, 6.46, it's Tuesday the 10th of September. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A public inquiry starts today for an incinerator on Hertfordshire's Green Belt land near Hatfield. It seems there's a plan to place in place to avoid US military action in Syria and put an end to any future chemical weapons attacks by the Assad government. And in sport, Rafael Nadal has won the US Open to become a 13-time Grand Slam champion. Coming up, politicians, do you trust them? 93% of people don't. I think that figure's a little bit high. I, I would suggest the majority of them are absolutely thoroughly decent people. Do you agree? 08459 455 555. We'll talk about that and more after the latest weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's quite a bright start for some of us this morning with even some blue sky and some sunshine, but the cloud will thicken through the course of the day and with it some light rain arriving as well, although not quite as much as we saw yesterday. Still going to feel cool underneath all the cloud and a strengthening northwesterly breeze later will also make things feel rather autumnal. We're looking at a maximum temperature of around 16 Celsius. That's 61 degrees in Fahrenheit. We're hanging on to the cloud overnight. We're hanging on to the breeze, but it does mean that the temperature's not 
going to drop too far for most of us. Staying in double figures, we may get a little bit chillier out towards the more rural areas, but for most of us, like I say, double figures, 10, 11 Celsius. The wind will start to drop as we get towards dawn tomorrow morning, and tomorrow is a much brighter picture, at least for part of the day. Then the cloud will thicken tomorrow afternoon, bringing with it some light patchy rain again. But some better news for Thursday. Well, better if you're looking at the temperature, because we're dragging in some more humid air from the Atlantic, which means it will feel a degree or two warmer. And that's your forecast. Every weekday morning from nine, the biggest local talking points. There is only one professional force that can control chemical weapons. How can we, as a civilised country, stand by and let more poor innocent children get killed? The JVS Show. Harry's in Bedford. Let's see what Harry wants to say. She knew what the laws were. She knew what she was doing. She got caught tough. I disagree with the penalty. I think that for smuggling drugs, it shouldn't be a death penalty. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. Turns out I'm not such a, a, a fool. Support 
for my cold weather campaign is growing. Is it a campaign? Huh? Leslie Watford, stay there. I'll speak to you in a second. the simple theory that we British, <coughs> excuse me, prefer the cold and the damp weather. I certainly do. I was laughed at in the office. Justin Dealey thought it was ridiculous. My team pointed and derided me. But, 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 I'm not on my own. Leslie's in Watford. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Ian. I'm speaking sense, aren't I? Oh, definitely. You prefer the cold and the damp? I prefer it cooler, yes. Tell you me why. Something. You can... You can Cover yourself up more. You can put on more. You can go for a walk. Anything that it warms you up. But what can you do if it's hot? You're all sticky and unpleasant, and it's ugh. It's just horrible. This is you, uh, Leslie. You and I. We need to get married. This is the the second woman I proposed to today, because you. This is this would be bigger me. Well, it'd be bigger me as well. Now, uh, because we could get. um, the, The thing is, this is my argument. When it's cold. Put on another jumper. Put on a scarf. When it's hot, you strip down to your pants and vest. There's nowhere else for you to go. Exactly. Have you... It's not problem, right? And you're still all sticky and horrible. Yeah. And the minute you move, you start... Oh. Your face just explodes with water and it's dripping off the end of your nose. And ugh. When your legs stick together. Yeah. No. Leslie, have you turned the heating on in your house yet? No. No, good. No, just put, put on another jumper. Sh- shall I tell you something, Ian? Yes, please. All that cold weather last... Last winter, yeah, I still didn't have the heat enough. Not at all. I, I live in a flat, and I was quite warm enough, thank you. Oh, were you? Else. Were you stealing your neighbour's heat? I know it's terrible, isn't it? Fantastic, Le- Leslie. You didn't turn your heating on at all. I did not have the heating on, and I never closed my windows. Oh, windows you, please open. tell me you sleep in the bedroom with the windows open. Yes. Leslie, I'm coming round. Point me in the direction of Watford. I'll, I'll, be, ra- I'll be around 20 past nine. Leslie, thank you very much indeed. I love sleeping with the windows open. Even in the middle of winter. Yes, but she didn't turn the heating on at all. That's brave. That's brave. I wait four five nine four double five five double five. New research shows that. No, thank you for that, uh, Leslie. New research shows that ninety three percent of the British public almost never trust a politician. The British Social Attitudes report found that if an MP is in a tight corner, the public thinks they will tell the truth only some of the time. Well, Justin, ninety three percent don't trust them. That would imply seven percent. Do trust MPs. Yeah, small minority. I love that. If they were in a tight corner, uh, <laughs> who comes up with these things? It's quite interesting. But I think, you know, whenever we talk about this, Ian, we go out, we ask people. Most people, I think, don't trust MPs, which I think is quite sad, actually. So yep. I've been out and about in Luton again this morning asking people if they do trust MPs, and here's what they had to say. No, I don't. Can you tell us why? I just don't believe this. Like, kids in the school playground half the time just battling out against each other. They just, no, I don't trust them at all. You're almost talking like they're a bit of an embarrassment. I think they are. Things, some of the things they get up to as well. They're supposed to be standing for this country and doing things right by the country, and I don't feel that they are. I mean, going back a few years ago, would you have trusted them more before the expenses scandal? Probably not. No. 
You've always had the same opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. Let me ask you this, sir. Do you trust MPs in this country? I trust uh, our MP. I don't know about some of the others, but our MP in Luton South, Gavin, I really trust, yeah. I mean, do you think that a lot of people don't trust MPs now based on what happened with the expenses scandal? Is that the big deal, do you think? Yeah, I think also um, when you see, like, question time in Parliament, that everybody's asking questions and no-one's giving any answers. So, you know, that you don't know what's going on, really. Very massive issue, really. I mean, some MPs will vote with the party line rather than for... They're supposed to be the voice of the people. That's the conscience of the people and not follow the party line, follow the party whip. And I disagree with MPs that do that. Well, let me ask you this. If you had a problem here in Luton, would you feel like you could contact your local MP and you feel like you would be listened to? No. (laughs) It's a straightforward answer to that. No, because they'd follow the party line. No, not really. Any particular reason why? I just find it difficult to think they're just working for the interests of the public and not just uh, um, for the benefit of themselves. Hidden agenda, then. You got it. I think it's unfair. What I don't like about them, Justin, is when I'm talking to them and um, they won't give a yes or no answer. Yep. Uh, or they'll do that thing. Well, under the last government, <laughs> uh, well, you, they left us in such a no. Just talk about now. Yep. I don't like those things. But once you get round them, and you can get round them, I would. I, I trust them. They. I, I think they. They do a pretty tough job. I think they do do a tough job. I think a lot of it, and I'm maybe controversial by saying this, is it jealousy? Maybe. Is it because these people are in a position of power and, yes, they get a decent wage? We know they work hard, but but they get a decent wage. Is it maybe a bit of jealousy? Gavin Shuker mentioned there, I've met Gavin before, he seems like a nice guy. Uh, my local MP, Mike Penning, I would trust him, but I don't think you'll find more than, what, 15 people this morning that will phone you between now and nine that say, I 100% trust my local MP, I think they're absolutely fantastic. I don't think you're going to find those people. Uh, Facebook, Colin Nelson says, I do not not trust politicians. I've yet to meet one who realises their role is to represent the people of the community that voted for them. Yep. Joe says, no, even if they start out with all the best intentions, they become corrupt and self-serving. Andy said, well, Andy, Andy Stephen says, it's safer giving the Syrians nuclear weapons. <laughs> I, I Listen, I, th- there are, of course, there are a few dodgy um, uh, uh, MPs. There are a few dodgy people going out in the morning asking uh, members of the public questions. And a few dodgy people sitting in studios in Lucen, yeah. Well, listen, please don't speak about JVS like that, OK? <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 uh, said sorry, but but uh, I, I'm a big. I think listen, politicians do a tough job. I think they should be paid more, and of course I trust them. It's foolish not to. But how many MPs are going to be listening to this right now that are quite offended that that 93% of the public don't trust them because they probably get up early in the morning, they work a very long day, hardly see their family, and yet again another report comes out absolutely slating them. Justin, thank you very much indeed. We'll speak to you later on. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Can we find? the 7% who do trust their MPs this morning. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heavy traffic starting to build up on the M25 anti-clockwise as you make your way into the roadworks section. So from Waltham Abbey at Junction 26 to Enfield at Junction 25 in particular is looking busy on the cameras. Heading into London, well, the A1 is looking slow. Queues as you go from Apex Corner, the A41, down toward Mill Hill Circus. On the trains, first Capital Connect running with delays of up to 15 minutes. This is Peterborough through to King's Cross and Letchworth Garden City to Moorgate. A signalling problem at Hitchin is the cause of the delays. And trains are having to run at reduced speed on the London bound lines. Services from Peterborough are not going to be calling at Hitchin for the time being. And again, if you're heading into London, Northern Line Tube, minor delays from Camden Town to Edgware because of a signal failure earlier today. 
at Golders Green. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Coming up in the next hour of the show, we'll have the latest on the protest that's taking place today to uh, block the building of a new incinerator in Hertfordshire. And also, do you trust politicians? Here's the news with Serena. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. I'm Serena Farrow. The headlines, fight against Hertfordshire incinerator. Why Rickmansworth is the place to go shopping and police guard quarry in Houghton. BBC Three Counties Radio. The public inquiry starts today for an incinerator on Hertfordshire's Greenbelt land near Hatfield. Campaigners will be out this morning as the County Council already approved the plans for the new Barnfield waste plant last October. Cathy Rowe from Hatfield Against Incineration says there are better places to site it though. Far too big on one site. There's no reason to burn all your waste on one site. Absolutely ridiculous amount of impact on one area and its people. And, of course, this particular site we're saying is not the least worst site. Let's put it like that. And stay listening as a director from the company behind those plans. We'll be speaking to Ian Lee straight after this bulletin here on BBC Three Counties. Now, people who are blind or partially sighted in Buckinghamshire are getting dwindling support. Immediately after you lose your sight, there's a lot of services that would be very helpful in helping you continue living independently and with dignity and would cut down on the amount of support that you might need later. Emotional support to helping people with mobility so that they can still get out and about and identify their local area. It might be help with cooking or getting dressed and things like that. Eleanor Bullimore there, who's the RNIB's regional campaigns officer for the South East, which covers Buckinghamshire. A report out predicts if the trend continues in just 10 years' time, newly blind people will receive no help from their local council. In Buckinghamshire alone, there are three officers, which means they each have to deal with around 71 people who lay us their sight in a year. President Obama's given a guarded welcome to a Russian proposal to put Syrian chemical weapons under international control. The diplomatic moves an attempt to avert American military action against President Assad's forces. In a series of interviews with US television networks, Mr Obama says the development was significantly and positively positive. Police have stopped a number of people driving some cars at Houghton Quarry near Luton. It follows numerous complaints from the public about riders causing a nuisance. Lee Agnew has more. The police say there's been a growing problem of people using motorbikes and quad bikes off-road in public places. On Sunday, a team from Bedfordshire Police stopped three quad bikers, a motorcyclist and the driver of a Land Rover at Houghton Quarry. One man was arrested on suspicion of theft of a motor vehicle and his motorbike was seized. Shoppers in Hertfordshire have more stores at their disposal. New research shows one in seven shops in Britain is still empty, though Rickmansworth comes out as the place in the whole country that's got a jam-packed high street. That's despite a series of schemes to try and revive the traditional shopping centres. Tennis now and Rafael Nadal is now a 13-time Grand Slam champion after beating Novak Djokovic in four sets in the final of the US Open. Weather dry and bright. A little bit of shower along the way though. Temperatures 16 degrees Celsius. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Why? This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. A busy first hour, very busy first hour. It gets busier and busier. 
Coming up, a protest is taking place this morning ahead of a public inquiry into plans to build an incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hertfordshire. We'll be giving you the latest on that in just a few moments. A new survey says that 93% of us almost never trust our politicians. Well, that means 7% do. Do you trust your politicians? I'm man alive. I'm so much happier now. It's proper British weather. But what do you prefer, cold and damp or hot and sunny? I, I was surprised. We're starting to get more people saying they prefer it cold and damp. Well done. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Hertfordshire County Council approved... Oh, no, I've, I've skipped a line. I do apologise. A protest is taking place this morning ahead of a public inquiry which starts today into plans to build an incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire County Council approved the plans for the new Barnfield waste plant near Hatfield last October. That decision will now be reviewed by an independent planning inspector over the next two months. Cathy Rowe from Hatfield Against Incineration told me earlier it's just not the right location and she's got a number of objections. Largely traffic, but also, of course, the size of it, too. I, I think a lot of people still haven't realised just how huge this building would be. 45 metres high dome, that's the height of a block of flats, you know. Plus, on top of that, the chimneys, up to 75 metres. And plus on that, of course, the plume of emissions coming out. Well, the company behind the plans is Veolia. Its uh, regional director, Keith McGurk, is on the line. Uh, Keith, why are you so determined to build this uh, incinerator in this location? Morning, Ian. Um, well, first of all, uh, determination. This is the what we've identified as the best site available to build such a plant in Hertfordshire today. And we've been contracted by Hertfordshire County Council to solve a big problem for them. So, What makes it no such a good site? Well, it, it makes it a good site in, in so much as it, the population, uh, location of population, good traffic links. But more importantly than that, we've looked at alternative sites, and it is, unfortunately, as far as we're concerned, the only available site available to build this facility today. today. Why there does is, it have to be an urgent need, and we need to build it quickly? Well, is there an urgent need? Why does it need to be so big? Well, it's a, it's a big plant for a big problem. Um, Hertfordshire generate a lot of residual waste, and residual waste is what's left over after reuse, recycling and composting. And Hertfordshire have no long-term solution to its residual waste problem. And, and as I said earlier, we're contracted to supply that solution. And as I say, big plant for a big problem. Uh, will, will all of the waste be coming from Hertfordshire then that's incinerated? Yes, the Hertfordshire, what Hertfordshire County Council have predicted over the 25-year life of the contract that we, we've um, been contracted to, that they will generate sufficient waste to, to virtually fill the plant. Uh, in the early years, there may be need to bring some local commercial waste in, but certainly over the life of the contract, Hertfordshire have predicted that they will generate sufficient So initially, waste. there could be waste being brought in from London or other places. At what point in that 25... No, Ian, if I, if I can interrupt, that's not what I said. What I said was that uh, it's a plant for Hertfordshire and Hertfordshire commercial waste as well as Hertfordshire household waste. OK, so, so what, explain that, what that means exactly then. What it means is, uh, again, just to repeat what I've said, Hertfordshire County Council have predicted that over the life of the contract, sufficient household waste will be generated. In the early years, whilst we wait, wait for population growth and waste growth to, to reach that level, uh, there may be some capacity, and that capacity can be filled. 
uh, with local okay. commercial I'm glad you clarified that. I'm glad you clarified that. At what point in the programme does it be, do we stop using the commercial waste? Oh, good God, that really depends on whether the predictions for household... Uh, well, what, what are the predictions in the plan that you've seen? Well, in, in, by, 2040, by 2040, which is uh, the 25-year period, with 345,000 tonnes of household waste predicted to be uh, generated in Hartford. So at what point, sorry Keith, just to clarify, at what point in the 25-year plan will the incinerator be burning uh, solely uh, household waste? At the, at the end of the contract period. So in 25 years... Yes, exactly, yes. But remember that the, wow. the solution... This well, you can see, Keith, what, Keith, Keith, you can see why some people are upset then. If, if, if it's going to take 25 years for it to be solely household waste that's being incinerated. No, not at all. They were, were contracted to provide a solution to Hertfordshire. Um, yes, but... Uh, sorry, just maybe you didn't hear the question. Maybe you didn't hear the question, Keith. Sorry. Uh, you, you can see why some people would be upset that it's going to take 25 years for it to be solely uh, household waste that's being incinerated. Uh, well, no, I disagree. As I say, we're, we're providing a solution to Hertfordshire. The alternative is to continue uh, depositing large volumes of household and commercial waste in landfill. It's not a sustainable solution. There is an urgent need for treatment, and this is a good solution. Uh, people are upset by uh, the, the fact that it's going to be an increase in traffic. It's next to a, a school for disabled children, uh, and the effect it's going to have on the environment. Well... The the traffic, I guess, is inevitable. There will clearly be an increase in traffic. That, that I can't deny, but um, both ourselves, our consultants, um, local planners and the highway authority have looked at the impact of the traffic movements uh, on local roads and are satisfied that the roads can cope with it. And the disabled school? Well, the special needs school next door, uh, obviously, as you're probably aware, has been re relocated during the potential construction period. Uh, the design uh, of the facility itself and, and the, the measures that will be employed for when the school returns, we're, we're satisfied and we're, we're trying well, to... Well, you're, you're satisfied, Keith, but the, you're, you're satisfied, but, 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 but lots of people aren't satisfied. They're not satisfied about the, the plans being put in place for the school. They're not satisfied uh, about the increase in traffic. Of course, you're satisfied, Keith. It's your company that's doing it. What would you say well, to those people who are uh, upset by all of this? Ian, that's the purpose of the inquiry. Um, the, the inspector will hear all the arguments over the next few weeks and um, hopefully come to the right decision. And what would you say to, to those local residents who are upset by the, the, the effect on the local school and the, the, the traffic? Well, clearly I understand uh, local residents' concerns, but again, listen to the argument at the inquiry. Uh, there are two sides always to an argument, and um, as I say, those will be presented over the next few weeks. I I'll ask you a third time, Keith. What would you say to those people who are upset by it? Listen to what's actually said at the inquiry, and uh, listen to the facts that are actually put forward at inquiry. That's, that could be interpreted as being a little bit cold, couldn't it? Well, no, listen, listen to the facts put forward by the inquiry is a cold statement. There's, there's very little empathy there for the people whose, whose lives and daily lives this, this will have a huge impact on. Ian, I can have understanding with people that have concerns about any planning application that goes in for a development next to their homes or, or schools, but uh, they must look at the facts, and, and a lot of emotion is in this application. What I'm trying to say is let's deal with the facts, Let's get the, the questions and concerns out in the open, yes. uh, listen to the answers that are given, and then leave it to the inspector to make the right decision. You sound surprised that emotion is involved in this. this. This is people's lives and people's homes and people's jobs that are being affected. I'm not surprised at all. OK, but again, uh, you, don't want to say, you don't want to add anything to the residents apart from listen to the facts. Uh, no, what I'm saying is I have understanding for the residents' concerns, but right. I think the facts are important to listen to. Uh, Cathy Rowe, who we spoke to earlier on, talked about the plume of smoke coming from this. What would that look like to the locals? 
Yeah, there's no, there's no smoke emissions coming from uh, the, the stacks. It's, uh, it's obviously from any combustion proce process there are emissions. Um, but And yes, during certain atmospheric conditions there will be a visible plume, but that will be from time to time. So there is a visible plume? There is a visible plume, there will be a visible plume from time to time, yes, but it's certainly not smoke. Okay, well, but it's, it's, it's still a visible plume. Are you, semantics we're arguing here, I think, Keith. No, no, you said spoke, and I'm trying to clarify that this is... This okay, is vapor, it is semantics, Keith. Let's, let's, put it, let's try again, then. Cathy Rowe talked about the plume that would be coming from this. What would that look yeah. like to the locals? Uh, what it would look like is uh, when you boil your kettle and you see the steam outlet coming from your kettle, it would look similar to that from time to time. I, I can understand, Keith, that some people might be a, a, a little bit um, disappointed, shall we say, by your slightly a, a dismissive attitude. This is a huge thing for the local residents, and it, it, it does feel... I'm trying to get the human aspect out of this from you, but you, it does feel a little bit cold. Is it really? I'm not, I'm not intending to be. As I say, it's a big, pla big plant we're having to deliver for a big problem, and as, as I said already, I understand local residents' concerns. Uh, we're trying to address those. Um, we'll put the details forward to the inspector. Um, we'll listen to the, uh, he will listen to both sides of the argument, and, and as I said already, I hope come to the right conclusion. And in your opinion, the right conclusion is to build it? The right conclusion is that Hartford should need a, a, um, a solution to its residual waste problem, and this is the right solution. Um, and yes, I believe the right decision will be to build a plant. How much energy will this generate, Keith? Uh, the good news story will generate enough electricity to, to power 55,000 Hertfordshire homes, so a significant amount of energy. Uh, is, that, is that annually, per year? Uh, yes, it is, yes. So 50,000 homes per annum. In addition to that, it has the capability to generate heat, uh, to satisfy any future demand as well. Keith, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Regional Director Keith McGurk, uh, he's uh, from the company Veolia. Uh, what do you think? You, uh, If you're a local resident, I was giving Keith a bit of a grilling, and fair play, he took it. Good for him. Um, what do you think? Do, do, do we have to put emotion to one side uh, when it comes to things like this? Is it a necessity? Well, we'll be speaking to more protesters a little bit later on. I think Justin Dealey is joining them later on. Talking about politicians as well this morning, do you trust your politicians? Dave's in Luton. Morning, Dave. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, Dave. Oh, nice to see you. Talk to you again. Lovely to talk to you, sir. What, what can you, do you trust politicians? I don't trust anyone. What? No, I don't trust anyone today now. But, um... To die? Especially radio presenters. What? Especially radio presenters. What, what does that mean? Well, I don't trust anyone. What, why? Well, because You've got to trust speak. some people, otherwise life is, is pointless. Yeah, but either you talk to yourself, or you're barred, or, and you haven't done anything wrong. As far, apart from my mate Justin, he's all right, but um, I wasn't actually ringing on that. I was ringing about the coldness. Okay. They say that heat is best for um, arthritis. And I've got osteoarthritis, and that heat is a killer. But I love the coldness now. Mm. And I, I, I all sleep with my windows open, but you're not going to marry me. I'm just looking through my files. Hang on a second. I don't want to... Oh, here we go. Here we go. Dave in Luton. Dave, no, no. something you no, said what? rang a bell. But hold on. What did I do? Something what did I do? You are the Dave that I barred, aren't you? Yeah, but what did I do? You're barred for the, the rest of September, David. <laughs> the rest of September. How does he keep sneaking through the system? We are the BBC, for goodness sakes. We should, I'm surely we must have a computer system where Dave, Dave's name flashes up. 
don't put Dave through, don't put Dave through. I don't know why you'd say it like a Cockney from the 1950s, but <laughs> you never know. David, you are banned for, for the rest of September, for goodness sakes. Go and have a break, go and listen to Heart. How does he keep sneaking through the system? It's, it's frustrating. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. It's a quarter past seven. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Slow on the M25, anti-clockwise, heavy traffic, Waltham Abbey to Potter's Bar into the roadworks, junction 26 to 24. And as you continue round, it's slowing up from St Albans to Watford, junction 21A to 19. And then again from Maple Cross to the M40, junction 17 to 16. Also starting to get busy on the A1 and the A1M. So as you make your way from junction 8 at Hitchin towards 7 at Stevenage, you expect a patch of slow traffic. And then into London through Boreham Wood from Holiday Inn Junction toward Mill Hill Circus. There's a bit of a queue on the cameras around there. First Capital Connect on the trains. Delays of up to 15 minutes. This is Peterborough to King's Cross and Letchworth Garden City to Moorgate because of signalling problem at Hitchin. Trains running at a reduced speed on their London bound lines and services from Peterborough are not stopping at Hitchin at the minute. Northern Line Tube back to normal service again between Camden Town and Edgware after the signal failure at Golders Green. And bear in mind if you're flying to Europe today, industrial action by the air traffic control workers in France means disruption is likely to flight so do check before heading to the airport. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. It's coming up to 7.16. It's Tuesday, the 10th of September. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Campaigners will be out in force this morning, fighting against plans to build an incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hertfordshire. People who are blind or partially sighted in Buckinghamshire are getting less support than they did ten years ago. And in sport, the England manager has confirmed that Frank Lampard will win his 100th Cup in the World Cup qualifier against the Ukraine tonight. 08459 455 555. We're talking bad weather and politicians. We'll have more after a bit of this. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're at home, sit back, because this is going to be very, very interesting. You've got the selfie, the legsy, the bumsy. (laughs) You're going to start that trend. Roberto Peroni. We seem to be heading um, headlong into war again. We're very keen to stop this from happening. We don't know where this might lead. The lie that took us into the Iraq war could become a shocking truth in this one. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, there's new research out that shows 93% of the British public almost never trust a politician. Almost never. The British Social Attitudes report found that if an MP is in a tight corner, the public thinks they'll tell the truth only some of the time. Ouch. Ouch. Well, I'm joined now by Richard Harrington, who is an MP. He's the Conservative MP for Watford. Richard, good morning. Good morning. 93% of the British public almost never trust you. How does that make you feel? Oh, actually, 93% of the 3,000 people that were surveyed um, say that they don't have trust in politicians to tell the truth if they're in a a tight corner. Um, I just think it reflects the way that attitudes have changed towards authority in Britain. I don't think it's just politicians. I actually think it's a good thing. You know, I think in in previous times we were brought up to unquestionably trust doctors, head teachers, you know, anyone in authority, including politicians. 
And I think it's right that people question that. And it's, I think this is part of it. It's a good thing, Richard. Come on, listen, you're trying to, um, to, to puff this up, surely. It's a good thing that, that the public don't trust politicians. I think it's a good thing that people question politicians and that they question everybody in authority. Um, and I think they don't trust journalists either. Uh, with what it said about the BBC and other institutions. I I actually think it's a really healthy thing in a mature society that people question authority. But as for politicians specifically, I think, I mean, it's quite interesting, because obviously we speak to lots of people in our constituencies, and I, although I I am obviously an MP, as you correctly said, I've only been doing this for three years, and I'm 55, so I had sort of 52 years of not being a politician. Um, And I think... Some pe- it's amazing how many people say, well, we don't trust politicians, but you're all right with their MP. And I'm not saying that's because it's me. I think whether, it's, you know, it's nothing to do with whether you're Conservative or Labour or whatever. People that actually deal with politicians that help them, and a lot, most MPs do help a lot of people, they sort of manage to separate them in their mind from the kind of, well, the image of politicians generally. Um, and again, I, I don't really think that's a bad thing. I think politicians have to continually prove themselves. They lost a lot of trust in this country with the expenses scandal, um, and I think they've got to win it back. But I do think generally, and I do think it's a good thing that people, it's right that people automatically don't trust people in authority. How do you go about winning that trust back? Well, yeah, I think you just keep plugging away. I mean, at my level, which is um, a constituency MP, you make yourself available and transparent. I have a public meeting every month. Um, uh, every, it's always an open house for surgeries. I'm always speaking to people in the street. I think you make yourself accessible so you become a person and not just some, some nebulous entity. On a kind of national scale, the David Camerons and Ed Millibands of this world, obviously they've got a much bigger job um, and I think it's an almost impossible one to do in terms of trust because um, I don't think it's just a British thing. I think people naturally are very suspicious. The press winds up people, which is part of their job to do, to question everything. So I think in a democracy, it's actually quite a healthy thing. Um, and I think it's very wrong that people should automatically be trustworthy. We're, you know, think that everyone's trustworthy. It's a shame because, you know, I was brought up to believe that you trust people until you've reason to believe otherwise. And certainly in business and life generally, I found that's a good thing. But, you know, institutions like politicians and other forms of sort of institutional people, I think um, this trust is quite healthy. Do we expect too much from politicians? They're, they're just humans. Well, of course we do. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, because it, just as the same way people expect a doctor to be able to cure them all the time, they expect teachers to be able to get them all A-stars at um, exams. People do. People And politicians fire that up with things that they say and things that they promise in order to get elected. But I must say, as a class, the political class, I have found them really, on a personal level, to be very honest. I mean, obviously, I've met loads of politicians in the last three years. And I do think, well, everyone I've met goes into politics. And please don't think I'm just saying that's because they're conservatives. But most MPs I've met go into it for one purpose, and that's because they genuinely believe they've got the best intentions of their constituents and of the country as a whole. And it's for public and journalists and others to try and disprove that. Listen, I'm quite a big fan of politicians I think this survey is a little bit harsh and in some ways I think they should be paid a bit more. But but sometimes you, you get certain people, I mean for example Chris Hune is in the papers today blaming everybody apart from himself because of the fact he broke the law and went to prison. And when people 
read things like that, they kind of do think, oh, here we go again. Here's another politician trying to wriggle out of a, a situation they created. You're right, but Chris Hume's a convicted perjurer and he should have the decency and self-respect just to shut up about what he did and get on with his life. But just in the same way that, you know, you read very bad things about the odd teacher or, or you know, or what a, what a doctor's done, I don't think people judge the whole profession like that. And nor should they just judge politicians by the standards of Chris Hume. I, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, we're getting lower and lower turnouts at elections, big elections and small elections. I guess this is part of the problem, is, is that some people don't trust politicians. I mean, apart from just going up and shaking hands and kissing babies, what practically can you do to reverse this trend? Well, we have to show people that we can do things to change their lives. Um, it can be at a local level. Um, things that in Watford, you know, I've worked on to try and do, like the Crotchley Rail Link, like hoping to get a new hospital, um, you know, all stuff like that. We all try and do those things. Um, but at the same time, the national politicians have to convince people that they can, what they actually do does matter. Because I always tell the schools, I say this country turns over £1,600 billion, of which £600 billion is is public expenditure. So, politics is about deciding you deciding how that 600 billion is spent and it's not good enough to say politicians are all the same what i do doesn't make a difference because it's a huge responsibility and people have got a chance to have a say in that um, and i must say i think amongst younger people we've just had in watford nearly 100 people helping doing learning about politics over the summer in watford uh, my work experience scheme and they do get engaged it's just the cynicism of their parents and I'm hoping that um, the young people particularly with the training they get at school and things like my work experience program I'm hoping more of them will get actively involved across all political parties because that's how democracy thrives Richard nice to talk to you this morning thank you Richard Harrington Conservative MP for Watford he puts forward a strong case I think doesn't he puts forward a strong case for MPs yeah, I, I did like what he said about Chris Hewn. Wasn't that funny? Just shut up and get on with his life. He's a convicted perjurer. Absolute ridiculous story in the paper. We mentioned it yesterday. Chris Hewn blaming everybody apart from himself. Saying, well, what I did wasn't that bad. You perjured yourself. You lied in court, you naughty man. Anyway, you've heard Richard there. He's a Conservative MP for Watford. What, what do you think? Do you trust them? Oh, 08459 four double five five double five. I think generally politicians get a bad press. And when it's deserved, well, then good. The, the, the expenses thing, good, yes, they did deserve a boot up the backside. But that's done, that was years ago. They're all right now, aren't they? Aren't they? Ken's in Sandy. Morning, Ken. Good morning to you. Ken, do you trust your politicians? Absolutely, 100%. Absolutely. Any problem that I have always answers back because of the community work that I do. Obviously, there are some confidential mm -hmm. matters. Yes always deals with them and always writes back to say that he's dealt with it. What, what confidential matters? Well, they're, they're, because of the work that I do is helping the elderly, sick and disabled. Right. So, actually confidential. So, who is your MP? Give, let, let's big him up, Ken. Let's, let's, um, let, let's tell everyone who he is. Alistair Burke. Alistair Burt, and so you're a big fan of his and you, you trust him. Can you understand, Ken, though, why some people are mistrustful of politicians? Well, because 
some politicians don't bother to write back and I think the problem is is that they say oh we're in, they're no good we don't trust them but the thing is this the media the media as you yeah. know yeah. They, they've got the job of letting people know what's happening and uh, sometimes they get very bad press and I know they have the business with the scandal of the expense and all that sort of thing but Alistair Burke, as far as I'm concerned, is as straight as a thing. And the thing is, he's a minister who goes all over the world, and yet he always has time for his people that voted for him. Ken, while I've got you on the line, can I ask you uh, uh, something else? Do you prefer it hot and sunny or cold and damp? Well, I like it medium. Oh, Ken, I'm not... No! What does that... What does medium mean? Not too hot and not too cold. <laughs> Ken, thank you for... Ken dodging a bullet there. Well, his MP is as straight as a thing, so that's got to be good news, hasn't it? What do you think? Oh, eight four five nine, four double five five double five. Is the tide turning slightly? We've all been anti-politician for ages, and when they deserve it, they get it. Yes, but I don't think they've done anything to, to warrant it recently. For goodness' sake, they voted against a war. Oh, eight four five nine, four double five five double five. Do you trust your politicians? There's Ken, the first caller to phone up and say, actually, yeah, my MP, he's brilliant. Love him. He's as straight as a thing. Well, is yours as straight as a thing? 08459 455 555. And uh, what can politicians do to make themselves appear more trustworthy? What do they need? We need an image rebrand, don't we, for MPs? Any suggestions? 81333, start your text 3CR, or go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Uh, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm Ian Lee. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things starting to build up on the M1 southbound with heavy traffic from Junction 10 past Luton Airport toward 9 at Redbourne. The A1 looking slow as well. Black Cat Roundabout in particular looking busy with delays starting to tail back toward Eaton Soken and St Neots. The A1M then looks slow from Hitchin towards Stevenage Junction 8 to 7 before slowing up again once you get beyond the M25 and head in toward London with queues from Holiday Inn Junction in Borehamwood down to Mill Hill Circus. On the M25, anti-clockwise, there's a queue from back at the M11 now in Essex through toward Enfield and into the roadworks. As you continue round, Maple Cross to the M40 looks pretty slow as well. On the trains, First Capital Connect reporting delays of up to 15 minutes. This is Peterborough to King's Cross and left with Garden City to Moorgate, and it's a signalling problem at Hitchin that's causing the delays. Trains having to run at a reduced speed on the London-bound lines. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. It's coming up to 7.30. Let's get the news and sport now with Serena. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. A public inquiry starts today for an incinerator on Hertfordshire's Greenbelt land near Hatfield. Elsewhere, people who are blind or partially sighted in Buckinghamshire are getting less support than they did a decade ago. President Obama's given a guarded welcome to a Russian proposal to put Syrian chemical weapons under international control. And Jaguar Land Rover will create 1,700 jobs at its plant in the West Midlands. It's all part of £1.5 billion investment project. That's the news. Now let's move on to the morning sport. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
tennis then and Rafael Nadal's now a 13-time Grand Slam champion comes after beating Novak Djokovic in four sets in the final of the US Open. The victory just comes seven months after returning from a long-term injury and moves Nadal to within four slams of Roger Federer's record of 17. Football now then. The England manager Roy Hodgson has confirmed Frank Lampard will win his 100th cap. That's in tonight's crucial World Cup qualifier against Ukraine. Victory would put England in a strong position in order to qualify for next year's tournament in Brazil. And Hodgson's well aware of the magnitude of the match. There aren't that many of them that have played 100 times for England because it's a, it's a tough figure to reach 100 caps. And I'm really proud, I suppose, to have been able to say that when those players got their 100th cap, I was actually the manager of the team. Now, several players from our local sides were involved in internationals last night. Watford goalkeeper Jonathan Bond was a sub with the England under-21 squad against Finland. They drew one all For Ireland under-21s versus Belsham, Watford's Sean Murray played with Hornets teammate Connor Smith on the bench. Finally, Wickham's Charles Dunn also a sub. Ireland actually lost that game 1-0. And there are reassurances for Luton fans after a dismal weekend. Luton Town striker Paul Benson says they'll score more goals as the season progresses. The Hatters failed to score for the fourth time in seven games in the 0-0 draw with Grimsby on Saturday. However, Benson says they will improve. We could do with maybe a little bit of luck, but you know, I think I think luck, luck evens itself, itself out over the course of a season. So um, let's try and improve our, our attacking play, which we which we do in training. You know, to be fair to, to the gaffer, he's worked on it quite a lot. But I think you know, I think we'll find that as the season goes on, we'll, we'll get stronger and stronger. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at eight. Hey, Serena! Yeah, party time, high fives, yeah? High fives. Don't leave me Why, hanging. Are you like a three-year-old? Hey, I'm just thinking um, that um, this is... <laughs> this is... Okay, this yeah. is uh, The Breakfast Show, and, and, and maybe it needs to be a little bit more kind of, you know, upbeat, whack. Yeah. Maybe I should get a horn. What, like one of those... Claxons, Claxon jobs. Yeah, and we're going. Yeah. This is going. This is going out. Let me, let me just try something. Okay, so this is what it would would, would, would be like. Yeah. This is going out for the truckers. Uh, uh. Good. Yeah. What about the people who are taking the t- kiddies to school? Okay, be this. This is going out for the people taking the kiddies to school. Uh, uh. Just makes it a bit more fun. And a so a bit more inclusive. Yeah. So the idea of this is what everyone who are in their motors. They start beeping with you. Everyone who are in their motors. <laughs> it's just an idea. I'm just workshopping at the moment. I haven't really thought it through. Yeah, have, have a little bit more of a think, okay? perhaps a week. Thank you very much. Call 08459 455 555. <clears throat> BC Three Counties Radio. Just, you know, listen, we're talking about politicians, we're talking about incinerators, we're talking, it's, all, it's all worthy stuff. But, but when I was a youngster in the 80s, breakfast shows, you know, they were a bit of an oomph. People would phone in for requests and we'd read out letters about um, the teachers at school and all the kids would uh, giggle listening to their trannies in the back of the, the school bus. Steady. Just think, you know, maybe. I, I, I'm just workshopping it at the moment. 08459 Any ideas on how you can save this sinking ship? I'm joking. It's a joke. Uh, coming up in the next 30 minutes, there has been a vigil for badgers. You were invited to dress in black and paint your faces white. Did anybody go? And uh, we'll be talking more about uh, our blind people are being neglected here in beds, hearts and bucks. But politicians, do you trust them? A new survey is out. 93% of people don't trust them. April's in Luton. April, do you trust your politicians? I trust my politician. Ah, who is yours? Alistair Burt. Alistair Burt? That's the second thumbs up for Mr Burt MP. 
Yeah, he is. He is very good. Why is he so good? Um, I think it's because when you write him a letter or send him an email, he actually does respond. And then, and then depending on what you talk to him about through your normal communications, if there's something that crosses his desk, uh, which he thinks you might be interested in, he'll email you about it and ask you for your opinion. Right. And I think that's very, very valid. And it's definitely him that's writing. Yes, yes, it is. Well, that's that's something. Uh, uh, but why why would you... I've never had cause... Actually, I have had cause, once or twice, to get in touch with an MP. Why, why have you got in touch with your MP? Um, lots of reasons over the years. I mean, I also used to live in the area where John Major was... Uh, uh, my MP before he was Prime Minister. Oh, yes. And he was also very good. Um, I think if it's something that I know that I can't deal with but needs a bit of clout... Mm. Then you've got two choices, haven't you? You can either... Get a gun. <laughs> you can either go to um, the media or you can go to your democratically voted representatives. Right. And um, depending on if it's really local or whether it's national, depends on whether I go my councillors or my MP. April, thank you very much. She's right. It does add a bit of... Cla- I've had a couple of issues. Um, and uh, I, I, I've cc'd an MP in, and suddenly the, the, the uh, people involved got, oh, hang on, there's an MP. Oh, no, we'll sort this out. 08459 555 Chris is in Barton. Morning, Chris. Good morning, Ben. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good because the weather is getting a little bit more like British weather. Yeah, and also think about all those lovely winter vegetables you're going to have with your, your little bit of roast meat on a Sunday as well. I, do you know, I hadn't considered the winter vegetables I was going to, to eat, but but now I'm in. I'm in. Oh, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. Do you like, Chris, are you a fan of the Brussels? Bedfordshire, Brussels, you'll never, well, ever beat I was going to say, there is a, I'm trying to find it, in one of the newspapers, there is talk, because the Brussels sprout is not very popular, they're going to release new brands of Brussels sprouts. I can't understand this. The Brussels sprout is one of God's gifts to us, isn't it? Absolutely right. I love yeah, the Brussels sprouts. Yes, yeah, so do I, absolutely. You can't beat it. And the Bedfordshire farmers grow the best ones in the world. Do they really? Well, that's, oh, that's, yeah. that's something to be proud of. I'm hoping I get, uh, although it's against BBC rules, I'm hoping I get a sackload of Brussels sprouts delivered to BBC Three Counties. Oh, be, that could be a right. Uh, uh, there we go. Little, there we go. Don't tell Ofcom, don't tell the Daily Mail, and we'll be fine. No, uh, so no, you're, no. you're a big fan of, of the weather, the change in the weather like this? I am, yeah. Yeah, I do like, you know, but the one thing that really, really annoys me more than anything, and it's a, it's a safety thing as well. You get, you know, people in, I leave for work around about 6.30 in the morning. Yes. And I see it getting progressively darker yes. every morning. And, you, you, you know, you take the weather into consideration, you leave on time for this and that, whatever. Yeah. But then, then you get in these, well, I can only call them idiots, really. Oh. They, they, they get out of a warm bed, get into their little cocoon, Get the heating going and all this business. Drive off down the road, no lights. What, when in it's their, dark? In their, in their, yeah, in a little oh. back car. Yeah. Or their dark blue or dark red car or dark grey car. It's a dark car, yeah. They can, they can see where they're going. Yeah. But nobody else can see them. Elderly people in the villages walking off the pavement, getting an early morning paper. Yeah. Bang. Because these people, are, most of them are half asleep anyway. Yeah. And they just do not get themselves sorted. And it's been a concern of mine. Chris, what is your message to the people driving dark cars in beds, hearts and bucks? When you get in your car in the morning, you start her up, look round, what's the weather like? Is it dark? Turn these damn lights on. Chris, thank you very much indeed. uh, Chris's wise words there. Turn those damn lights on. We'll allow a little uh, category D in there because it's an important message. Now... 
uh, uh, we've been hearing this morning that support for blind and partially sighted people has declined dramatically in the last decade. That's according to a leading charity. A report out today by the RNIB predicts that if the trend continues, in 10 years' time, newly blind people will receive no help from their local council. One of the statistics they highlight is the small number of rehabilitation officers employed to help people adapt to losing their sight. Well, I'm joined in the studio now by Richard King, who's from Milton Keynes. In 2009, his eyesight deteriorated to the extent that he had to give up his job. Morning, Richard. Good morning. Richard, what, what, what happened? How did you lose your eyesight? Um, well, I was diagnosed uh, uh, around the age of 19 with a, a retinal degenerative condition called retinitis pigmentosa. And um, the... the the um, prognosis of that was I'd eventually lose my sight and I think the doctor told me by the time that I was 40 I'd probably be blind Wow! which was pretty much uh, you know on the money with How that How do one. you deal with that as a 19 year old young man? Well that uh, at the time you know, I, I kind of recollect that it, it was all, it was very difficult to deal with but because it, it hadn't really affected me at the time yeah. um, I used to struggle in the darkness and that was about it so I kind of got on you kind of get on with your life and, mm. and, and brush that beside, you know, behind you because you've you've got to uh, you've just got to get on. And um, I was a young man, just not short, shortly after you, I uh, was married and children and family and a career and everything else. So mm. you you kind of put that to the side until you get to a point where things start to affect you, where you really need to take um, changes and, and steps in your life to, to to deal with it when it starts really to affect you particularly at the point when I got to uh, sort of my late 20s and, and I had to give up driving. That must have been uh, that must have been heartbreaking. Particularly for, again, I, 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 uh, perhaps for a young man, it's perhaps slightly more significant having to give up driving and losing that bit of independence. Yes, it was. At the time, not so, uh, funny enough, because I was working in London and I, I lived in, um, uh, I live in an area of Milton Keynes where I'm, I'm within walking distance of the train station. So right. at that point, it didn't affect me. It wasn't until until to that contract ended that I, I realised that... Uh, you know, if I'm applying for jobs or, or whatever I'm doing during the day, how how do I how do mm. I get there? I have to rely on local transport. Or you used a rehabilitation officer, is that right? I do. I have contact with our current one in Milton Keynes. Right. Yes, and and how important the are they? What what help do they offer? Um, they they are very. I, I believe they have a very important role. Um, but I just think that that they they've got too much to deal with on on their within their capacity because they've i think in milton Keynes we have something like nearly six thousand people registered partially sighted or blind and one rehab officer so she's she's very busy um dealing with that but um i mean the, predominantly they they offer independent living skills if you like and mobility skills such as cane training which is the, the most important one that we get from our rehab officer mm. Do you feel that because of the pressure put on this uh, this one woman, that perhaps she's not being able to give everyone the attention that yeah. they deserve? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've noticed that. And uh, I mean, we did have a conversation once where she did say that there was an awful backlog. You know, people are referred to for our lo- for our local hospital, for our local eye clinics, and uh, and that's generally where new new newcomers come from. So there, people that r- newly diagnosed with uh, with eye conditions require probably a lot of attention initially whereas somebody that's that's dealt with it and lived with it for a long time may not may not necessarily be so so uh you know and it, it all depends on 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 the level of people that are coming through the system that are being referred if you like from the eye clinics so what practical help did you did you get in in those early days of losing your sight 
Um, I had, a, I think I remember it was a long time, the assessment I had was back in, I think it was when I registered blind, it was 1999, so it was forever some time back, Yeah. Um, and I, they come around, I do a home assessment and they, um, you know, they talk to you about what you do as a career, I mean, it, it's such a broad area mm. and, and, and I don't think really that one person can really cover all those different areas of, of, of rehabilitation, if you like. Because what would you... Um, obviously, it's a hugely important aspect in making that transition from being sighted to, to partially sighted sure, or yeah. blind. What would you like to see done? What changes would you like to see made? Uh, I would like, really, to, for, for them to, to, to engage more with, with the visually impaired community and, and, and understand exactly what, what people need, because that can be so so varied we can have someone that's 18 that's partially sighted someone that's 85 and from different communities different sexes different religions you know mm. so it so it, it's such a broad scope and and these services are offered by by charities charitable organizations you know and and um i, I just wish that they would engage more with with the people in the community and understand what they want learning braille for example it's not a service that's offered it doesn't come under the the umbrella of rehabilitation and it's crazy because even today with technology i think braille is so important for for us in our lives how do you go about learning braille then do you go have to go to college or something um do you get a teacher? I, I was lucky in fact i i did a course uh, through my um, local job centre, which was advanced to work, so I had to go away to Birmingham for a few months, and and they did they they did it for me there. Yeah. But but generally, most other people, it, it's it's done by correspondence now. Wow! So if you want to learn Braille, you you, you get a, a series of books and some CDs from the RNIB, and you know there you go. <laughs> That's no way to learn another language. It, it really isn't. No. That's incredible. What's life like for you now? Um pretty good actually it's 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 better i've kind of crossed a line you know for for the last 20 years i've always been worried and concerned about dealing with this point in my life you know Mm. so so now i'm I'm here and i'm dealing with it and it's it's not so bad so um i spent a long time concerned about how life was going to be like but um i'm lucky in a sense that i've got some nice people around me that, mm. that that i can rely on and that and that's so important and and there are some great charities out there that do offer different services in the community it's quite often isn't it that it's the fear of what is going to happen and what it's going to be like it, it, it is, is yeah, worse than when you actually get there exactly sometimes. Yeah, yeah richard thank you very much for coming in nice to meet you i'm sorry you're shivering in here it's we the, the air conditioning is broken so this room <laughs> is constantly cold i was just nervous which which do you prefer warm and sunny or cold and damp um I'm kind of in between, I think. You (laughs) fence sitter. Richard, very nice to meet you. Thank you very much. That's Richard King uh, from Milton Keynes. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Reports are coming in about problems on the M1 southbound. Two lanes may well be blocked. We're hearing there's an accident with two cars involved between Junction 14 at Milton Keynes and 13 for Bedford. It was Rob who called us about that one. Thank you very much indeed, Rob. Further down, the M1 looking a little slow. Usual spot, really, from Luton Airport Spur Junction 10 toward Redbourne at Junction 9. If you're leaving the M1 and heading down the A5 southbound through Mark Yates, it's looking busy from Lynch Hill to Luton Road. The A1 quite busy 
as you make your way to the Black Cat Roundabout. That's now tailing back as far as the St Neots Junction, the A428. The A1M slow moving from Letchworth to Stevenage Junction 9 to 7 and then into London from Holiday Inn Junction at Boreham Wood to Mill Hill Circus. There's a queue on the A1. The Tring Road, this is the A41 in Aylesbury, slow moving as you go past the SO Roundabout toward New Road. M25 anti-clockwise, slow from the M11 round to Enfield into the works, from St Albans to Watford and from Maple Cross to the M40 you're going to find delays as well. And then on the trains this morning, we've had disruption for First Capital Connect. 15-minute delays possible still. Peterborough to King's Cross and Letchworth Garden City to Moorgate because of a signalling problem at Hitchin. And London Midland are now running replacement buses Bedford to Bletchley along the branch line because of a broken-down train. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 7.47 exactly. It's Tuesday the 10th of September. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. We're being told people in Hertfordshire produce a lot of waste and therefore the county needs an incinerator. People who are blind or are partially sighted in Buckinghamshire are getting less support than they did a decade ago. And in sport, Rafael Nadal is now a 13-time Grand Slam champion after beating Novak Djokovic in the US Open. Coming up, badgers. Campaigners held a candlelit vigil in Bedford last night to protest against the badger cull. They were invited to dress in black and paint their faces white. Well, did anybody turn up and what were they trying to achieve? 08459 455 555. We'll talk about that and politicians after the latest weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, looking at the satellite picture, many of us have a bright sky this morning. Some blue sky, even some sunshine, but the cloud will thicken and come and go through the course of the day. Some light patchy rain out there as well and a strengthening northwesterly breeze. So it is actually going to feel fairly chilly through the course of the afternoon. We're looking at a maximum of 16 Celsius. That's 61 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now, overnight, we're hanging on to the breeze and the cloud as well and maybe some light rain too. But that means the temperature is not going to drop down too significantly, all staying in double figures. The minimum, which means out in the countryside, the cooler spots down to 10 Celsius, 50 degrees in Fahrenheit. Slightly brighter tomorrow for the majority of the day, but towards the latter part of the afternoon we'll get some thicker cloud in and again some light patchy rain. That's sinking down from the north. The maximum temperature tomorrow, again, just 16 or 17 Celsius. And for Thursday, some more humid air being pulled in from the Atlantic means it will feel warmer, but the air is still going to feel fairly moist although uh, although dry it's going to feel quite damp the maximum temperature for thursday could get up to around 18 celsius and that's your forecast thank you very much alive with music on the bbc the sound of horror the sound of drama Sound of Glory. A new season of programmes on TV, radio, and online celebrates the sound of cinema, starting on Thursday night at nine on BBC Four. Why? Or you could just listen to the radio. Um, we're talking about politicians. Ninety-three percent of the public do not trust politicians. Well, I think that's rather harsh. We're trying to buck the trend here this morning. We've done quite well so far. We've had two calls from people who do trust their local politician. 
Can we find any more? Let's try Paul in Leighton Buzzard. Paul, what do you think? Well, you certainly can, Ian. I've got nothing but praise for my local MP. That's uh, Andrew Salou. Andrew Salou? Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, on a personal level, he's done a lot. To, he's helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, but for his constituents, he fights their corner, no matter who you speak to, irrespective of what politics, you know, you, what party you may support. I've heard nothing but praise for the way he keeps you, you know, comes back, fight, you know, and really takes things up for you. Expenses scandal. Yes. Yes, I mean, I, I think there's a difference between local, you know, what people think of their, maybe their local MPs, and what they may think of them nationally. Um, I think many, uh, you know, a lot of the MPs, in my view, nationally, are hypocrites. So when you say nationally, what, what do you mean? Well, Members of the cabinet? Well, well, yeah. Well, I mean, well, I'm talking of parties, of both, uh, you know, uh, both persuasions or, or three persuasions, oh. whatever. Um, but you get MPs saying, for example, uh, I don't know, taking something out top of my head, um, education. Um, you know, he- vote, vote against private schools or academies, etc. And what do they do? Send their children to private schools. Yep. Um, it's that type of thing um that i think you, you know what what brings politics into disdain really uh paul thank you very much for that indeed well we're getting a lot of support for the politicians i was go- quickly googling andrew salu contradiction i couldn't find anything <laughs> with that moment's notice but i'm sure if we looked uh, paul thank you very much indeed badger campaigners they held a candlelit vigil in bedford last night it was in protest against the government's controversial badger cull designed to stop the spread of tb in cattle we can speak to one of the protesters angelina fox good morning angelina good morning young man well listen you can come on again if you're going to call me young man <laughs> uh, what, what was the protest to, why did you have a protest last night um we wanted to show the local people that we're here and also in response to requests to show something locally about this awful cull and the killing of badgers. Now, uh, how many people turned up? I would say, I must admit, I was so busy to do a head count was quite difficult. There were a lot, I would say, in the region of about 150 people. Wow, that is quite a lot. So I thought you were going to say that that 26 or something. No, 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 no. The public feeling is very strong against this badger killing, definitely. But, as you'll see in the opinion polls. Well, but, but there is the argument that we need to do something about bovine TB, and this is Absolutely. one way of having a go at it. No, no, no. You can't have a go at something which is so prevalent. And we know that actually, unfortunately, it's bovine TB. And unfortunately, it's the cows that are the problem. But absolutely, we back the cows. We're with the cows as well as the badgers. Absolutely. But the way forward is vaccination, not extermination. Uh, we can talk now to uh, Tom, who is a farmer from Buckinghamshire. It's not his real name. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Tom, you, you, um, you think that we do need to cull badgers? Yeah. This, people, people have got to understand, and I think um, some of these organisations of people are a little getting it out, out of balance, really. This, this, is, this, is a, this is not about eradicating badgers. This is about reducing disease in specific target areas, in areas where TB has got epidemic. 38,000 cattle are killed, culled each year. TB is doubling every nine years. It's costing the taxpayer £100 million a year. And we have a statutory EU 
obligation to control TB. And after a recent visit to um, the animal health of um, um, veterinary um, laboratories at Purbright, um, some of the chief scientists actually, yes, it is bovine TB, but it's very much, there can be a, a case that it is um, very much in the badger population. A lot of the figures I've read, Tom, and, and maybe you've seen different uh, statistics and surveys, but a lot of the figures I've read say that uh, culling badgers will have a minimal effect, if any, on uh, the bovine TB. Mm. I've done it in Ireland, and where they've culled badgers in bad areas, it's had an immediate effect that TB in cattle has dropped by a third. It's, it's, it's a multi-pronged approach. You know, cattle have to be culled that have got TB, any animals, you know, pe- people have to understand, you know, we, we don't want to cull, you know, the vaccine is not available. Vaccinating badgers is not a viable proposition. It's, it's happening in Wales at the moment. The Welsh um, Assembly are doing it. It's £662 a badger a year. You know, it has to be repeated every four years. There's no evidence how effective it is, and it's only effective if they actually vaccinate um, well, badgers. Tom, let's 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 uh, put those points to Angelina. Oh, hello there. Yes, I mean, thank you very much for the gentleman farmer to come on the line. It's fantastic to speak alongside. We are actually with the farmers. We're actually supporting the farmers in the fact that we need to get rid of this awful bovine TB. As the farmer that you're speaking to will know, the actual incidence of BTB last year has fallen. It's already falling, and that's nothing to do with the badger cull. But Angelina, uh, Tom, Tom mentioned Tom mentioned the, uh, the the studies in Ireland where the, the they culled badgers and bovine TB dropped by a third. No, no, no. You've read the reports wrong. I'm sorry. The bovine TB, the actual culling causes perturbation, where the badgers actually leave their sets and go and infect if they are infected other badgers the problem is the culling at the moment that's going on none of these badgers are going to be tested for btb the corpses they're going to be incinerated they're going to look at approximately 100 badgers to see if they were humanely killed the problem being now we're told from two nights ago is that DEFRA and the NFU are getting a bit desperate and they're starting to cage trap them now and blast them with shotguns. Well, that's there will a- be no evidence. OK, that's to one side. This is, this is Tom's livelihood, OK? If, if, his ca- if his herd get TB, he is going to lose a shed load of money. You can understand yeah. why farmers want he to try as much as they can. He will get compensation. But do you know what? Cash isn't the answer. And cash is the problem with what's happening at the moment. This is a quick fix to please people in the farming industry. Believe me, as we say, we do sympathise, but there are other ways, and we know that vaccination actually works because it has worked in other areas. Angelina, we're running out of time. I just want Tom to respond to that. Tom, what what, what would you say to Angelina? (laughs) You cannot cannot just approach it by vaccination. You know, us in the farming industry, we don't want to kill badgers. You know, we, we want healthy cattle, healthy badgers, and a healthy countryside. Something has to be done. Doing nothing is not an option. Anything that will reduce it has to be looked at. But, but Angelina and the other protesters, and a lot of scientists, Tom, say that this, this won't affect it. 
It does on the ground, and the case studies show that it does. And every source, you cannot keep culling cattle out of an infected area when there's infected other um, species there that are going to reinfect the cattle. It's a waste of time and money, and no one will get anywhere. And what's more, for animal welfare reasons, it's not... It's not nice to leave sick badgers out there. Well, it, you know, some would argue for animal controlling. Some would argue for animal welfare reasons. It's not nice to, to, to shoot them. But, but but we have to end it there. Tom, thank you very much. Uh, Angelina, the final question: Did you uh, dress up in black and paint your face white? Oh, absolutely. There were some fantastic badger costumes, and also the diversity of people that turned up as well. The young and the more mature children came along too. Angelina, we were all absolutely adamant. Please stop this badger. Kill. Okay, we have to. We have to end it there. We're out of time. Angelina, send us some photos, please. Otherwise, it didn't happen. Ian Lee at bbc.co.uk, and we might put them up on the Facebook page. Uh, Tom, farmer from Buckinghamshire, and uh, Angelina Fox, uh, who was campaigning uh, last night uh, to protect badgers and end the cull. Thank you very much. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Two lanes blocked on the southbound M1 following an accident with two cars involved between Junction 14 at Milton Keynes and 13 at Bedford. It was Rob who gave us a call about that one. If you have any updates for us, 08459 455 555. The A1 southbound, slow at the Black Cat roundabout, delays on the A1M, Letchworth to Stevenage and queues into London on the A1 through Boreham Wood toward Mill Hill Circus. M25 busy into the works at Enfield. It's also slow St Albans to Watford and from Maple Cross to the M40. First Capital Connect, 10 minutes delays now Peterborough to King's Cross and Letchworth to Moorgate because of signalling problem London Midland running replacement buses Bedford to Bletchley and the Metropolitan Line Tube minor delays Harrow on the Hill to Aldgate because of a signal failure at Baker Street earlier this morning Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you very much Adam Well it's been a fiery old show this morning, lots of phone calls, we'll have some more please, plenty of uh, room to squeeze in some more calls Weather, sunny and uh, warm or cold and wet? Which do you prefer? Oh, cold and wet every time, please. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's eight o'clock, I'm Serena Farrow. The headlines, incinerator for Hertfordshire desperately needed, why care for blind people in Buckinghamshire is dwindling, and Nadal celebrates a record. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now we're being told people in Hertfordshire produce a lot of waste and therefore the county needs an incinerator. Hertfordshire generate a lot of residual waste and residual waste is what's left over after reuse, recycling and composting and Hertfordshire have no long-term solution to its residual waste problem but the alternative is to continue depositing large volumes of household and commercial waste in landfill. It's not a sustainable solution. That's Keith McGurk there, Regional Director of Veolia, the company behind the plans to build the incinerator. Campaigners will be out this morning as the County Council already approved the plans for the new Barnfield site near Hatfield. Cathy Rowe from Hatfield Against Incineration says there are better places to locate it. It's far too big on one site. There's no reason to burn all your waste on one site. Absolutely ridiculous amount of impact on one area and its people. And of course, this particular site we're saying is not the least worst site, let's put it like that. Well, stay listening as Terry Durris, councillor in charge of waste management at the council, will be speaking to Ian Lee straight after this bulletin here on BBC Three Counties Radio.
In other news, people who are blind or partially sighted in Buckinghamshire are getting less support than they did a decade ago. A report predicts that if the trend continues, newly blind people will receive no help from their local council whatsoever. Well, in Buckinghamshire, there are three officers who have to deal with around 71 people. Richard King from Milton Keynes is one of those. In 2009, his eyesight deteriorated due to such an extent that he had to give up his job. He says he's noticed a difference in care over the years. They come round, they do a home assessment and you know they talk to you about what you do as a career. I mean, it's such a broad area mm. and, and, and I don't think really that one person can really cover all those different areas of, of rehabilitation. In Hertfordshire, police are appealing for information about the death of a man in St Albans ten years ago. Shumin Hussain fell to his death from a block of flats. Gail Sanderson has the details. The 29-year-old died when he fell from a window at the Telford Court Flats in Alma Road. Detectives say that before he fell, there'd been a disturbance at the address involving a number of people. At the time, a murder investigation was launched and a number of arrests were made, but no one has ever been prosecuted. His family says 10 years on, they still want to get justice and closure. The Customer Service Centre at Ellsbyville District Council is still closed this morning after a flood over the weekend. People are being asked to use the Gatehouse Road instead. Sport and Rafael Nadal is now a 13-time Grand Slam champion after beating Novak Djokovic in four sets in the final of the US Open. It's pretty dull outside. Rain later on as well. Temperatures a little bit cooler than yesterday, 16 degrees Celsius. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I was very, very tired this morning, and suddenly it's eight o'clock. What a joy. I've, I've had a, a boost, not a chocolate bar, a boost of energy. The reason I'm so tired, indulge me a second, please. Uh, the, the boys just would not sleep. The boys would not sleep. They were running around. They do this thing when they're going to bed. They just run around naked. Ah! Doing that, a three-and-a-half-year-old and a boy who's nearly two. Oh! Then I got into bed and I couldn't sleep. I was restless. And then um, my eldest... At half past ten, woke me up. Ada! Ada! And you ignore it for a bit, thinking, oh, you might go to sleep. Ada! So I went into the bedroom, and he's lying on his bed, face down. But he's in a weird... He's kind of lifted himself up. He's doing a press-up in bed. <clears throat> and I went, are you OK? He went, Dada, I need a wee-wee. OK, well, I'll take you to the toilet. I tried to lift him, but I couldn't lift him. And it was very weird. And then he said, I've finished now. And he'd been doing a press-up wee in bed. He'd just been doing a wee in bed. I was like, oh, man. Just had to strip him off, clean him, take the sheets off. Oh, fun times, fun times. Then I had him in bed with me all night. And then at half past two, he wakes up. Dada, sing me a song. Go back to sleep. It's half past two. Anyway, that's my life. How's yours? Uh, Lots coming up between now and JVS at nine o'clock, including a protest is taking place this morning ahead of a public inquiry into plans to build an incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hertfordshire. Well, Justin Dealey is there with the protesters. We'll speak to him in a few seconds. A new survey says that 93% of us almost never trust our politicians. Well, that means that 7% do. Do you trust politicians? And I am so much happier now it's proper British weather. What do you prefer? Cold and damp or hot and sunny? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Lots of Facebook comments. I'll do those before nine. You can text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or lots of you have been calling this morning. Well done. 08459 455 555. 
across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Dada! Dada! A protest is taking place this morning ahead of a public inquiry into plans to build an incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire County Council approved the plans for the new Barnfield Waste Plant near Hatfield last October. Well, that decision will now be reviewed by planning inspectors over the next two months. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, is in Wellham Green, where protesters are gathering. Justin, what's the scene like there? We've got uh, three protesters with me right now. One of those uh, is Duncan Lewis. Uh, Duncan, welcome to the programme. Just remind us and our listeners why you're so against these plans for the incinerator. <coughs> Good morning. Yeah, I'm so against these plans for the incinerator. There's been more objections to this than any other single planning application in the HCC history. The residents have not been listened to at any stage of this process. Um, I live in Wellham Green. It's going to be a quarter of a mile away, if that. It's going to be a visual intrusion from wherever you are in Wellham Green. The HGV is 400 plus a day. Um, That's a lot of them, to be fair. That's a lot of them. This is going to bring uh, Rob into the conversation. Rob, can you describe what you're wearing today, first of all? Uh, Well, I'm wearing a uh, chemical suit and a gas mask, all fit for the protest. Uh, This is going to be the national dress in Wellham Green if this monstrosity goes ahead. And tell us again about some of the banners that are here. You're here with your children today. Yeah, well, over the weekend, the kids have been making some banners. Veolia, get out and stay out. They're as passionate as we are here today. I mean, we just heard there from Duncan who said it's about half a mile away here from Wellham Green. If this does go ahead, will this destroy your village? The fact of the matter is this will totally put off families coming to our village, which in turn will stop numbers at the school, which probably will mean the closure of the local village school. The fact of the matter is this is a residential area, and so a a project of this size is just a no-go. 500 lorries a day... uh, Basically, the structure, the size of the incinerator is the size of the Millennium Dome, the O2 Arena, on top of a hill, plus the height of the chimneys. It's an absolute disgrace. Harbourshire County Council say you need this locally. Veolia, of course, are the company behind it. They say that you'll need it. Are you just a NIMBY? Well, 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 well if a NIMBY, if the definition of a NIMBY is caring about your community and wanting to look after your your village, your area, then yeah, I'm a NIMBY. But the fact of the matter is, it is too big for a residential area. We don't, Hertfordshire don't produce enough waste to keep this bloody thing up and running. Yeah, so, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, rubbish will be shipped in from London to fill this thing so it's running 24 hours a day, Justin, seven days a week. Can I interrupt? Just, yes, to, uh, just to say, we spoke to a gentleman from Veolia. He assured me that London would not, uh, the rubbish would not be shipped in from London, that all of the waste would come from Hertfordshire. Uh, a, a portion of it would be um, uh, uh, in, uh, business waste, but within 25 years, it would all be... Um, uh, uh, household waste. So, so put that to the gentleman there, that, that the waste won't be coming from London, according to Veolia. Yeah, just to say, we, we spoke to Veolia earlier on, who said the waste will not be coming from London. That's what they told us. It's a myth. It's a lie. This, this size of incinerator, Hertfordshire does not produce enough rubbish to keep it running. I want to squeeze in two more questions with you. I've got to be quite brief on this. Obviously, you're very, very angry. Very, very angry this morning. You won't be allowed to talk at this public inquiry. Do you think you can sit there and listen, and listen only? No. So you you want to be- short answers? No, I won't. <laughs> so you're prepared to be thrown out, then? 
Uh, I'm prepared to lose my liberty at the end of the day if it protects my family, friends and community. If this gets the go-ahead then, would you be prepared to, to tie yourself to, to whatever to stop this going yes. ahead? You would do I've that. I just told you, yes. Okay. Peter Ryson's with me as well. well Justin, can I just interrupt? Mm. We'll come to Peter in a second. I, I just want to go to Terry Doris, and, and maybe Peter will want to listen to this and, and respond to this, because uh, I am uh, joined by Terry Doris, who is the councillor in charge of waste management at Hertfordshire County Council. Terry, will waste be being shipped in from London? Good morning. Good morning, Ian. Um, there's no plans to ship waste in from London, as um, uh, Keith McGurk has said, but there is plans at the initial stages um, to use the facility for commercial waste. So you can guarantee, you can guarantee there will be no waste <coughs> shipped in from London? I can't. You can never say never, because, and that would be foolish. For well, surely you have, a, you have a, a, an operational plan for this. Yeah, but, yes, but we do have an operational plan, but the operational plan, or the the, the life of this is a 25-year uh, life. So if I were to say now, never, that would I would be held to account. What I would say, if I may, is that the, the very essence of this, and we, we understand that uh, emotions and feelings are running very high, but this is the whole reason, if you like, for, um, and we understand it was called in by Eric Pickles for a public, plan, a public planning inquiry, which is going to last for six weeks. There's a break in the middle. And, and the, the whole point about the public inquiry is to hear all the all the aspects from both sides there's going to be representation from the public there will be obviously representation from ourselves and from Veolia but there will equally be representation uh, properly made from the people who are objecting to it and if I may please Ian um, can I just give you now in case we, we, we run out of time the the website very quickly Terry yes it's www persona p-e-r-s-o-n-a dot u-k dot com forward slash barnfield okay and now that will be updated and that has okay. all the documents 400 400 lorries a day yeah that's a lot isn't it it is a lot but it's no more than uh, the lorries that actually go through the county although well, I well they won't be going through the county they'll be going to this they'll be going to this specific uh, residential area 400 lorries a day I don't actually think they go through the specific residential area because they, it's on the major main roads that go through... That, uh, That's a lot that of it. traffic to it, introduce it to the area. I accept that it is a lot of traffic, but I think you'll be surprised how, um, if you like, how distributed that number of lorries is. Well, 400 a day. Well, how, how, how do you distribute that so it's no, not... It, I think you'll find it's also 400 movements a day, so it's, it's still a lot, and I, I, nobody is denying that it's... It's not a lot, but again, this is something that the inspector is actually going to consider. It's going to be an eyesore, isn't it? It's on uh, Greenbelt land, it's going to look awful. Oh, frankly, I don't agree with you. I've, I've actually you think seen, it's beautiful? I've seen the mock-ups of it, but, but everybody will have, and I respect that, everybody will have their own... Well, you don't live opinion. next door to it. Sorry? You won't be living next door to it. I don't live next door to it, but it wouldn't worry me if I were to live next door to it. You think it's an attractive building that's going to enhance the area? It's, as some, one of your colleagues, or one of the um, uh, protesters said, it's the, very similar to the Dome, and I think a lot of people regard the Dome, or the O2 Arena, as an iconic building. 
What about um, what's happening to the, uh, the special uh, school next door? Well, the special school is being relocated uh, to a brand new building uh, for the duration of the construction. And the reason that we're doing that, and it's being relocated, um, assuming, assuming that planning permission is uh, upheld by the inspector uh, from September of 2014, specifically not to interfere and disrupt the learning of the uh, boys and girls who go to the school. Are you um, uh, paying for the legal representation for Veolia at this um, inquiry? Um, you, you know that we've already had this conversation. We are paying for the cost of the planning the public inquiry and that comes from a specific fund that we have for public inquiries. And how much is that costing? And that is costing £240,000. We are, as is normal, um, contributing to as part of the contract to some costs of Veolia. Why, well, why aren't Veolia pay, paying the £240,000? No, the cost of a public inquiry, or any public inquiry, always falls to the local authority. Quarter of a million pounds. It, that's, the pub, that's the cost of the public inquiry, and be, remember, of course, that the public inquiry was initiated after uh, representations to the Secretary of State, and it was his decision to go ahead with a public inquiry. Okay, Terry, thank you, Mary. Just, just stay there for a second. We may come back to you at this time. Justin, uh, is, uh, Justin Dealey is in Wellham Green with the protesters. Justin, I believe you had one of the protesters listening to that. Well, we've got about a minute. What, what was their reaction? Yeah, Peter Ryson, who's the chairman of the Wellham Green Residents Association, you were shaking your head. You weren't very happy about what you just heard there, were you? Absolutely not at all. Mr Duris needs to get his head out of the clouds. The O2 is for pleasure. It's not going to cause death, destruction, cancer, asthma, things like that. You're not going overboard there? Sorry? It's going to cause cancer, you say? Of course it is. It's Where's the evidence for that? It's, it causes cancer. There's, there's cancerous particles coming out of the dome, no matter how much they fill to them. Viola has been fined several times for exceeding emissions. But once the, f the fines are fine, but the damage is done. Then. Well, Justin, let's put that. Terry's still on the line. Terry, what, what would your response be to Peter? I, I think I'm very concerned to hear uh, Mr. Ryson say that because I don't, it is not true. The Environment Agency has granted a permit to Veolia to operate the proposed facility and it will be operated to the very highest standards. Sorry, Mr. Duris, but the Environment Ag Agency don't cover the diesel fumes for coming out of lorries. That is the Highways Department. And diesel fumes cause cancer, well known fact. I think we're talking about the energy from waste recycling unit here, not for not diesel fumes. Well, we're talking about the 400 lorries a day going to the waste recycling centre. We're not talking about any additional lorries on Hertfordshire roads. Confined to one area, Southways, we've already ripped autistic children out of their school that was pre-built for them and stuck them somewhere else. That's lovely for them. There's a, there's a lot of passion, isn't there, Terry? You, 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 and there is a lot of... The, there's not much support for you. Um, I appreciate that there is a lot of passion, and I appreciate that it's, if you like, probably a lot, lot easier sometimes to, to argue against something, especially when it's, it, it, it arises so much passion. What I would say is that I can't, uh, I can't put into a conversation of five minutes um, what the inspector is going to hear over a period of six weeks, and after that he will make 
his own judgment. Terry, we, we have to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. That was Terry Duris, Councillor in Charge of Waste Management at Hertfordshire County Council. You also heard uh, Justin Dealey in Wellham Green with several of the protests as well. You can have your say. Go to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr or give me a call 08459 555. We'll be coming to this story uh, again. 17 minutes past eight, a little bit late. Let's get the travel news now. Oh, that rhymes. I'm a poet and I didn't realise. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers in M1 southbound, a lane closed. This is following the two-car accident between Milton Keynes and Bedford. Congestion back to Newport Pagnell and delays of around 50 minutes. It's the outside lane, lane three, that's shut. It was two lanes blocked, but they managed to get one reopened. The A5 very slow southbound through Mark Yate. Also looking very busy on the A1 southbound from the St Neots Junction toward the Black Cat Roundabout on the A1M, Letchworth to Stevenage, and then into London through Borehamwood down toward Mill Hill Circus on the A1. The A10 slow southbound from Church Lane to the Winston Churchill Way as you go through Chesant. Watford queues on the A41 on the approach to the M25. M25, there are anti-clockwise delays through the roadworks, then St Albans to Watford, and again Maple Cross to the M40. Ten-minute delays, first capital connect Peterborough to King's Cross and Letchworth Garden City to Moorgate because of a signalling problem at Hitchin. London Midland running replacement buses Bedford to Bletchley because of a broken down train. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. I've already had a tweet saying Justin's going to get his head kicked in. Justin, get out of there as soon as you can. It was a feisty debate. Uh, 18 minutes past eight. It is uh, th- Tuesday, the 10th of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. We're being told that there needs to be an incinerator in Hertfordshire. A public inquiry starts today on plans to build one near Hatfield. Police are appealing for information about the death of a man in St Albans ten years ago. And in sport, the England manager has confirmed Frank Lampard will win his 100th cap in the World Cup qualifier against the Ukraine tonight. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you... We're talking antics and collectibles. It doesn't yes. have to be old things. These anxieties that you have, when you get rid of this first one, you'll find that all these other things that you're talking about can fall into place. Nick Coffer. We've had some great music today. The Beatles, ABBA, Smokey Robinson, Adele Pink Floyd. Nick Coffer. I am wearing bright purple jeans. Weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Flipping heck, Jonathan. <laughs> Don't say that to me just before we go on air. Well, it's uh, I, you're, you're banging on about how wonderful it is. You're upset on my stance uh, uh, I've taken on the weather. I like it when it's cold and damp. This is British weather. But I, I totally understand the point you're making. about no, you, you dressed know, up like Rupert the Bear with your scarf on. It's freezing in here. He's it's, got two tops and a scarf. It's freezing. I totally accept. You know, it's quite nice during the winter... Put the log fire on if you have one. Yep, yep. Open a bottle of red wine. Lounge around on the sofa, perhaps under a blanket. All snuggly, lovely. Yeah, Christmassy cat, cat climbing all over cat you. Climbing all over. That's lovely for a couple of nights. Yeah, we got months of this now. Wonderful. Months and months yep. and months. Yep. It's going to get darker and darker and darker. Beautiful. Miserable. Yeah. Miserable. Those evenings of sitting in the garden with a Pinot Grigio, oh, the bird, the evening birds. The <sighs> Of the doves in your trees. All of that's gone. We've got a woodpecker in our garden. Have you really? Yeah. 
That's yeah. nice. Yeah, it's it very nice. That will go. Yeah, hopefully. Be dead in the winter. Hopefully the, the, the snow will kill it off. You see, that's the thing, that all these lovely uh, noises that we... We don't hear any of them in the winter. You, Everything's dead. The sound you get in the winter is... There's nothing better. The last place... The, the, the last place but one I lived in was the loft bedroom, OK? So you had a slope... We were under a sloped roof. Oh, how posh. How posh. Being in bed... Listening to the heavy rain pouring down, lying in bed, reading a book about Buzz Aldrin and drinking a hot chocolate. You like that? It was wonderful, perfect. Mm -hmm. Snuggling up under the, putting the kids to bed, snuggling up under a blankie, watching Dragon's Den. Just remember a few months ago. Yeah. Do you remember when the weather was so hot? And I even had a man phone me and he said he was going to sleep, he was going to get his camp bed out and sleep under the stars in the back garden. Pervert. Isn't that lovely? All of that's gone now. Good. He can go and sleep outside under the stars if he wants, just wear a, a, a onesie. I had to get up at four o'clock this morning and put my full pyjama set on and get back into bed because I was so chilly. Have you put your heating on yet? No. Good. The heating does not go on until October. Good for you. Well done. Put another jumper on. Well, you can't. You've got two on and a scarf already, so that would be <laughs> would be uncomfortable. You're walking around like the, um, the, the Goodyear blimp. <laughs> I, can hardly, I can hardly press the buttons. I've got so many clothes on. <laughs> What's on your show this morning? Or are you continuing the weather debate? You can have that one if you want. No, no. No? No, we'll leave that at nine. OK, that's a shame. Although, inwardly, it's still there. You're missing an opportunity there, I think. Coming up this morning on the big phone-in, I want to talk about problem families today. Yes. Louise Casey, the head of the government's Troubled Families programme, has said that some mothers... Do need, have them. ...need to be taken to the doctor and advised to move on to contraception. She suggested it would be better for some women to stop having children and to focus on getting a job or improving their health. Ms Casey has told journalists that managing a 21-year-old that's still living at home and committing crime and also having to cope with another child that's two, well, anybody would see that's a challenge. Her comments have come as the government has announced it's helped around 14,000 of the UK's most troubled families improve the stability of their home. But do you find Louise Casey's comments about contraception cruel or common sense? From nine this morning, I want to hear your views on this. Does this sound like a very good plan? Take these mothers of problem families, these Mm. mothers that have loads of children, they have no idea what to do with any of them. They all grow up delinquents and the rest of us have to pick up the pieces as they go around smashing up the town centres and people's cars, committing crime in and out of prison. The rest of us paying for them. Do you think, yes, take them down the doctor... Stick them on the pill now, and then we don't have the problem in the future. Or is that cruel? 08459 455 555. This morning on the big phone-in, I want your views. Um, Joe McCall has excellent advice on this. Does he? Put something on the end of it. Is that what he said? That's, that's one of his many catchphrases. Really? Put something on the end of it. Right. I don't know what he means, though. It needs to be more specific. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, dearie, dearie me. Uh, 08459 555 is the phone number. Do you trust politicians? New research shows that 93% of the British public almost never trust a politician. The British Social Attitudes Report found that if an MP is in a tight corner, the public thinks they'll tell the truth only some of the time. Uh, On Facebook, uh, Ian says, I'm impressed with my MP Steve Baker in Wickham, but understand why politicians generally come in for flack. Uh, Joe says, no, even if they start out with the best intentions, they become corrupt and self-serving. Well, Chris Moncrief is the former political editor of the Press Association and joins me now. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Why don't we trust politicians? 
Well, I think a simple answer to that is um, is the uh, expenses scandal of two or three years ago. I mean, uh, you know, what went on then was an absolute outrage, and um, people aren't going to get over it. It's no good starting a new parliament saying we're all clean now. Uh, the, the fact remains that members of parliament are are not trusted and with and with justification um they they um spread they they use taxpayers money for frivolities and luxuries uh, which most of the taxpayers well, can't themselves afford Chris, they did spend taxpayers money uh, on... are you sure it's not still going on well we, we have to believe that it's not don't uh, we well, that, yeah that's why people don't don't believe a lot of people don't believe it we don't have to believe it's still going on um i, I think there've been very cases in recent months where uh, there have been examples of MPs, uh, you know, moaning at IPSA, that's the um, supposed to be the police, uh, the uh, MPs watchdog on um, expenses, um, you know, that they're not getting what they claim they deserve. And so, um, quite frankly, um, whereas in the past to be an MP used to be a vocation and badly paid, now it seems to be um, a money-fueled job. Uh, And and, um, MPs don't seem to be shy about using taxpayers' money for their own uh, personal benefit. Earlier on in this show, we spoke to uh, the Conservative MP for Watford, Richard Richard Harrington, who said he thinks it's good that people aren't automatically trusting their politicians. Do do you think it's good that so many people... People don't seem yeah, to trust and They're questioning them. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that he said that. I mean, we should uh, we we should remain very sceptical um, about uh, about the way politicians spend our money. And we've also now got a situation where um, there is a recommendation. Admittedly, this is not the MPs' recommendation for themselves um, that they should get a huge um, increase in pay. Uh, you know what is all that about? We're, you know. Um, they, they shouldn't be constantly talking about money grabbing, which I'm afraid some of them are. What can politicians do, Chris, to, to reverse this trend? Well, uh, I, I don't actually know. You, um, quite frankly, you'd have to really ask them. But to I mean, there are many, many politicians who um, treat public money with care and honesty. Uh, and you know, uh, uh, and can be trusted, but um, there, there are equally a large number of them uh, who um, think there's a bottomless pit from which they can uh, dredge out, um, uh, you know, uh, other people's money to spend on themselves. And quite frankly, uh, also uh, when you think about um, about the freebies that go on foreign trips everywhere. Uh, as Dennis Skinner once said, you never get you never get politicians going on a quote fact finding tour unquote to Greenland in the middle of winter. Um, they go to the, um, the they go to the uh, West Indies and so places like that, spending money on what are often purposeless trips in which they don't find a single fact. Chris, thank you very much indeed, Chris Moncrief, former political editor of the Press Association. Well, he thinks it's right that we uh, we don't trust. MPs and that they've brought it on themselves. What do you think? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Leslie's texted in. Perfect example of why you can't trust politicians provided by your own news. Obama is now trying to wangle his war by putting Syrian chemical weapons under international control. A move that will of course mean troops going into Syria to enable this humanitarian goal. We will naturally have to show our support for such an admirable uh, admiral cause by throwing in with Uncle Obama. Not sure. Bit political there, a little bit too clever for me. (laughs) 
Honk, honk. <laughs> Thank you, Leslie. I'm not demeaning your text. I'm demeaning me. 08459 455 555. 30 minutes left of the show. Do you trust your MPs? We, we have had a surprising number of people phoning in and saying, yes, actually, I do. my MP's a good one. He's one of the good guys. 08459 455 555. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. An accident on the M1 is causing a bit of a queue southbound. There's one lane closed off. Two cars were involved in this accident between Milton Keynes at Junction 14 and Bedford at Junction 13. The congestion back around Newport Pagnell at the services. Southbound, the A1 is looking rather busy from St Neots toward the Black Cat roundabout as you continue down there. Southbound, the A1M then looks slow from Letchworth to Stevenage, Junction 9-7. to And if you're making a journey down the A1 all the way into London, Boreham Wood from the Holiday Inn Junction down to Mill Hill Circus, there's also a queue. The A10 looking slow in Chesant on the approach to the M25, and if you're joining the M25 around Junction 25 there, expect delays at the start of the roadworks. Also heavy from St Albans to Watford, Junction 21A to 19, and Maple Cross to the M40, Junction 17 to 16. First Capital Connect, 10-minute delays, Peterborough to King's Cross and Letchworth Garden City to Moorgate. This is because of a signalling problem at Hitchin. Trains still running at a reduced speed on the London-bound lines, but services from Peterborough are now calling at Hitchin once again. And London Midland, they've got their replacement buses out Bedford to Bletchley because there's a broken down train along the branch line. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past eight with the headlines. I'm Serena Farrow. We're being told people in Hertfordshire produce a lot of waste and therefore the county needs an incinerator. Well, as we've been hearing, campaigners will be out this morning as the county council already approved the plans for the new Barnfield Waste site near Hatfield. Now, there are fewer carers to look after blind or partially sighted people in Buckinghamshire. They're actually getting less support than they did 10 years ago. President Obama has given a guarded welcome to a Russian proposal to put Syrian chemical weapons under international control. And Ed Miliband will today urge union leaders to show courage and support his planned changes to their relationship with the Labour Party. It's all because it's the TUC conference in Bournemouth. That's the news. Now let's move to the morning sport. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Rafael Nadal's won the US Open to become a 13-time Grand Slam champion. He beat Novak Djokovic in four sets. The victory, though, comes just seven months after returning from a long-term injury. And he can hardly believe it. I never thought that something like this could happen. I just was excited to be back on tour, trying to be competitive. But never thought about... uh, about competing for all what I competed this year, no? all the Masters thousands, two Grand Slams, so three. So it's just uh, more than a dream for me and unit luck to, to be where I am today. Let's have a look at what's going on in the football world. England manager Roy Hodgson's confirmed Frank Lampard will win his 100th cap in tonight's crucial World Cup qualifier against Ukraine. Hodgson also says he's decided who he'll select in place of the suspended Danny Welbeck, but won't be making changes from the side that beat Moldova. Mm. Several players from our local sides were also involved in internationals last night. Watford goalkeeper Jonathan Bond was a sub with the under-21 squad against Finland. They drew one all. Meanwhile, for Ireland under-21s, 
Netherlands, who were playing Belgium. Watford's Sean Murray played with Hornets teammate Connor Smith on the bench. Wickham's Charles Dunn also a sub. Ireland, though, actually lost that game 1-0. Finally, there are reassurances for Luton fans after a rather dismal weekend. Town striker Paul Benson says they'll score more <sighs> goals as the season. Just because you're not a Luton fan, Justino is, isn't he? So you've got to listen. You ready? Do you know what the score was at the weekend? 3-2. No, it was, it was goalless. Aye. With Grimsby. Grimsby aren't all that great. Anyway, shall we see what Benson says? Uh, I suppose we have to now. Come on. We could do with maybe a little bit of luck, but yeah, I think I think luck, luck evens itself, itself out over the course of a season. So um, let's try and improve our, our attacking play, which we which we do in training, you know, to be fair to, to the gaffer. He's worked on it quite a lot. But I think, you know, I think we'll find that as the season goes on, we'll, we'll get stronger and stronger. Any plans to well, improve your attacking play? It's hardly Confucius. It's it's hardly Oscar Wilde. It's hardly one of them two Greek people, is it? <laughs> we, we need a bit of luck, but luck evens itself out. So, you know, yeah. It's football, sweetheart, isn't it? You finished? No, it's not an Come English on, I've got, I've lesson. Got, I've got a show to do. Come on. Right, OK, that'll do. That's it for me, really. Call 08459. That's how you deal with it. 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, here every weekday between six and nine. We've been arguing about the weather this morning. Warm and sunny or, or damp and wet? Damp and wet? D- damp and cold, that's the phrase, isn't it? Ian, I've always loved the mild winter months. We don't get that many days when it's freezing cold. Uh, my brother is totally the opposite. From September, he lives in Spain, returning in April. Um, Ian, I'm looking forward to winter. That's when I start shooting. Pheasants. Oh. Um, lots of you on Facebook as well have, uh, uh, have picked up on this. It's funny the stuff that you do. You like to talk about uh, uh, on, on here. Apart from Grumpy Gary. Grumpy Gary Henderson. Oh, Grumpy Gary Henderson. What a stupid thing to ask. Well, OK, Grumpy Gary, but you, you posted on it. Uh, Lisa says, cold and damp. Jill says, cold and damp, nice when indoors, but when you have two labs that you have to walk every morning and every night, not so. Jenny says, may I opt for cold and sunny, those beautiful, frosty, clear, still mornings of a British winter? And one more, Rebecca Smith. Cold and damp rules. At last I've got my appetite back and I'm looking forward to some casseroles, mash and veggies at the dinner table with the lights on. At the dinner table with the lights on. That's what I'm talking about. 08459 455 555. The most of you, more, more of you than uh, you uh, possibly thought, are supporting me on this. We're going for the uh, the cold and the damp weather. It's much better, isn't it? Isn't it? You know it is. It makes much more sense. If you want to give us a call on that, 08459 455 555 is the, uh, the, the telephone number. You can uh, also uh, send me uh, an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Well, earlier on, we sent Justin Dealey out to find out what you thought on the street. Sunny... And bright or cold and damp? Well, this is what you had to say. Hot and sunny. Makes you feel better. I mean, Ian's saying he prefers cold and damp. What's your reaction to that? You're looking at me strangely. Well, that's very odd. The sun. And you've just come back from a holiday today. Yes. How does it feel to be here, freezing cold? Brilliant. I'm static. (laughs) Hot and sunny. (laughs) What do you think about those people like Ian Lee, who thinks it's fun to be having cold and damp weather? And be honest. It's a bit strange, I'm not going to lie. Hot and sunny. Party people all around me feeling hot, hot, hot. Hot and sunny. You like it hot and sunny, don't you, sir? Yeah, yeah. Do you know anybody who likes cold and damp weather? 
I don't think nobody likes it. I like it hot and sunny, but when it's damp, it's good for the garden. <laughs> I mean, he actually prefers it cold and damp. I mean, I know he's a bit strange anyway, but do you think he's even stranger now? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, must be, when it cold and damp. <laughs> Very odd man. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. Oh, most certainly hot and sunny. Yes, most certainly. Nice tan, by the way. Thank you. Cold and damp. What? Hate the sun. Because I burn really easily. Oh, you've got ginger roots, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Personally, yeah, uh, cold and damp. Yeah, because, you know, the, I'm originally from a country where, you know, they've used a hot weather, yeah? Yeah. And I really love this weather, raining, cold, and uh, I don't like sun, yeah? And, and it, especially, you know, when it's raining and a cloudy weather, yeah, it makes me, you know, the more uh, excited. And the one Are more... Are you winding me up here? <laughs> no, no. So, so when you see rain, it makes you excited? Yeah. When it's uh, sunny, yeah, uh, it's just, um, you know, the personally, I get tired uh, uh, quickly, yeah? And, uh... uh so, to be honest, yeah, in a sunny day, in a sun, in a hot weather, I don't like to work here. Yeah. I just want to, you know, become more lazy, yeah. And uh, it, uh, thing is... So you've woken up today and you're excited. Very yeah, excited, the... very excited, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I agree with that guy at the end. That the, If it's too... This summer, I've achieved very, very little. Uh, when it's hot, because we don't have a, a culture of air conditioning in this country like they do in the States, when it gets hot, we get hot and we wilt and we get lethargic and lazy and tired. When it's cold, we kind of, we're, we're more focused. We can concentrate our energy and achieve things. Shall we have a quick look at the front pages? Why not? Say quick, we'll, we'll do it slowly, we've got nothing else to do. The Independent, uh, there's a picture of uh, Assad. Assad points the finger, dict- dictator defiant as Russia weighs in. Um, and a licence to waste taxpayers' money. Uh-oh, what have we done now? What have we done now, BBC? Sorry, sorry. BBC chiefs defend £25 million in payoffs to just 150 staffers. Real value for money. <laughs> yeah, right, guys. Mark Byford paid extra £500,000 so that he wasn't worried about his future. <clears throat> Furious Tory MP blasts the mo- most bizarre game of whack-a-mole I've ever seen. Whack-a-mole? <clears throat> Let's have a quick look at the... I've got a frog in my throat, I do apologise. Daily Telegraph, give elderly proper care, GPs told. Health Secretary tells doctors to watch over older patients from surgeries to care homes to stop cases falling through the cracks. Yeah, we'll have that. Oh, and look at this beautiful picture. Early morning mist shrouds the town of town of Malesbury and Wiltshire as the first hints of autumn begin to make themselves felt yesterday. Wonderful. This is what I'm talking about on the subject of weather. I'm joined now by a senior meteorologist at British Weather Services, Jim Dale. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. This weather we're getting now, the weather we've just entered the last couple of days, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's different. <laughs> it's different than we act. Of course, it's, of course, it's different. It's fantastic because this this kind of weather hallmarks Britain, doesn't it? Well, this is what I think that, that you know the hot summer we've had, the hottest summer in, in uh, ten years or whatever it is. Two thousand and six. Yeah. Two thousand six. That's not British weather. Um, it is uh, because British weather is such that it, it does have its extremes. It does have its. Uh, um, uh, if you like, it, uh, start and end points, if you like. In other words, we do go into these areas where we take a bit of Mediterranean, we take a bit of polar, 
that's what our climate is all about. But the middle zone, if you like, which is where we are now, our natural sort of normal seasonal average mm. temperatures with a bit of mist, a bit of rain, a bit of this and a bit of that, that's, that's the standard. That's what we, you know, if you like, that's our line that we, that we measure for, for our own particular climate. And it's what people think of when they think of Britain. On the way in, I was listening to a Glen Campbell song and he sings about, I'm uh, staying in London, the rain is pouring down. And that's, that's what people think about us. We're, we're a wet, damp country uh for the most well i say for the most part we're not actually oh, Jim. You know, no 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 let's get the facts out jim no listen listen it's important that, that your listeners understand we're not a wet damp country 10 percent of the time and less in our part of the world is uh in actual fact it's raining that's 10 percent of the time that we actually see rain and or snow falling really Nin- yeah 90 percent wow. of the period of the time i'm talking about the 24 hours now 365 days a year on yep. average yep it's dry. It's dry. And, and therefore, you can go to much wetter climates than our own. I think there's a misconception. I think, uh, as well as that, it, it sort of gets into the sort of mindset, doesn't it? People think, you know, say, oh, it's miserable, it's miserable. Oh, it's, you know, we've just turned into autumn, everything's going downhill, it's turning dark and all the rest of it. Well, like anything, it's, it is, you know, and I'm not just talking weather here. Weather's a big one for, as a catalyst for this, but it's, it's how you view it. You know, bad weather is only bad weather if you're not closed properly to, to, to actually uh, be in it. You're right. You, you sound like my mum. Jim, the thing about cold weather is, if it's cold, put another jumper on, put a scarf totally. on, put, put, put a hat on. Yeah. You, but when it's, when it's so hot, all you can do is strip down to your pants and vest. There's very little else you can do. Well, you just have to you suffer. Can, you, can, you, can t- you can take some drinks down you. You can find yourself a, a place where it's a little bit less warm, where there's air conditioning. There's all things you can do. This is, this is the point. This is that it's our, it's our and, I, and I say this is a kind of British disease, this is, this is a, um, something we as a nation and outsiders coming in have to understand. We don't have to suffer when the weather turns, if you, if, let's call it negative, yes. um, if we have a positive attitude and a positive mind to yep. uh, to come up against that weather and do things about it so that's that's where we are now look upon look upon autumn as being a, a season of change oh, a season it. of color uh, you know the, the the mist and the fogs in the morning are quite beautiful in yep. terms of ph- photography that type of thing well have you seen the picture on the front page of the telegraph this morning the, the, the well, early morning go. mist shrouds right. the town so, of Malsbury. so there are there, there are positives beautiful no you know many people see snow and they think oh no i can't get to work can't do this but who loves it? The kids love it, yeah. don't they? Well, t- so always positives in the negative. I listen, I, Jim. I totally agree. Thank you. By the way, it's only teachers who say they can't get to work when it snows. Uh, that was Jim Dale, senior meteorologist at British Weather Services, based in Bucks, making it local and indeed what I like to call vocal. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. I love this weather. Wait till the leaves drop. Wait till it turns brown and golden out there. Who wants to who wants to hold my hand and walk through the park kicking leaves? Anyone? Anyone? Mark in Milton Keynes says, I don't always agree with you, Ian, but I like it. Cold and damp. Yes, some leaves do have dog poo under them, and in some of the parks where we've uh, had members of the travelling community, it might not just be dog poo. But, well, you know, we, we're that local park. We saw the photographic evidence. Paul, uh, Paul Scoynes made a point of uh, rubbing it in my nose, the photos. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Back to the front page of the newspapers. Oh, that's Rita Ora, is it? I thought that was Rihanna. I had no idea who Rita Ora was. Okay, there's a picture of Rita Ora on the front page of the Time wearing a top. Rita Ora. This is the front page of the Times, which is becoming the posh star. 
Rita Ora danced down the runway at the DKNY show at New York Fashion Week yesterday to the Beastie Boys Fight for Your Right. That's the front page of a newspaper. Savers lose billions in hidden bank rate ripoff. Watchdog acts over cuts to interest payments. The Guardian. Special report. Death in Benghazi. What really happened the night the ambassador was killed. Hopes of Syria breakthrough after Kerry slip. Off-the-cuff remarks by US Secretary of State lead to fresh diplomatic initiative. And MPs berate incompetent squabbles at top of BBC. And stop slogan T-shirts now. Hadley Freeman's verdict. Slogan T-shirts are back. Frankie says, relax. Daily Mail. Oh, the Daily Mail is worried because Mr Darcy, Colin Firth, is looking very skinny. They're worried he might be ill. He's not. He's playing a POW in a new film, so he's lost weight. There you go. That's that mystery cleared up. The Daily Mail, just five senior A&E doctors in England at night. The Daily Express is still pursuing a mystery that isn't a mystery. SAS quizzed over Diana Death. 30 soldiers serving at time of ca- uh, crash grilled about murder. Murder is inverted commas because it wasn't a murder. It was uh, an accident involving a drunk driver and two people uh, who weren't wearing their seatbelts. SAS soldiers serving in the crack regiment when Princess Diana and... Do- Hang on a second, what's that on the front page of The Sun? Helen Flanagan's first topless photo shoot? All the other... This should have been at the top of the pile. Turn to page three. Yep, those are breasts. Right. Also, kicking Kiev is the front page. Ukraine yobs batter England footy fans. An England fan told last night of his terror after he was attacked by thugs in the Ukraine. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It's a quarter to nine. Let's get the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still a lane closed on the M1 southbound because of an accident with two cars involved between Junction 14 at Milton Keynes and 13 at Bedford. That is slow back to Newport Pagnell. Delays of the best part of an hour through there. It was two lanes blocked off originally, but lane three, the outside lane, is the one that's still closed and it has been for quite a while now. As you continued on the A1 this morning, expect some delays past St Nigget's toward the Black Cat Roundabout, from Letchworth towards Stevenage and from Borehamwood down to Mill Hill Circus as you make your way into London. The A10 in Cheshunt looking very slow at the Winston Churchill Way Junction. M25 anti-clockwise, heavy traffic into the roadworks at Enfield. Also slow Chorleywood to the M40 Junction, 18 to 16. On the trains, First Capital Connect have those 10-minute delays, Peterborough to King's Cross and Letchworth Garden City to Moorgate. Trains having to run at a reduced speed on London bound lines because of a signalling problem at Hitchin. And London Midland are running replacement buses, Bedford to Bletchley, because of a broken down train. Of course, if you're flying anywhere today, particularly to or from France or across Europe, Europe. Bear in mind there's some industrial action being taken by air traffic controllers, so do check the status of your flight before you head off to the airport. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Get more from him just before nine. It's 8.47 exactly. It's Tuesday the 10th of October, September. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. 400 lorries will pass through Hatfield every day if plans for an incinerator near there get passed. Public inquiry on it starts today. There are fewer carers to look after the blind or partially sighted in Buckinghamshire, which means they're getting less support. And in sport, Rafael Nadal is the US Open champion after a four-sets victory over Novak Djokovic. Coming up, we'll be back with Justin, who is with the protesters who are against building an incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hertfordshire. He was very passionate earlier on. I believe he's going to be getting on the coach with them. 08459 455 555 if you want to have your say on that. But before that, let's get the weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning. Well, we've had a fairly bright start in some places across all three counties, actually, but we're already starting to see the cloud moving in, particularly through parts of uh, Bedfordshire at the moment and moving south down towards places like St Albans. The cloud is moving in. There's an area of low pressure towards the east of the country slipping down the North Sea at the moment. That's dragging in with it this cloud and perhaps some patchy rain as well. Further west, we've still got a bit of sunshine around, but the cloud will increase and thicken through the course of the morning. And with the strengthening northwesterly breeze as well, it is going to feel quite chilly. Maximum temperature we can expect is 16 Celsius, 61 degrees in Fahrenheit. Now overnight tonight, we're going to hang on to the cloud, hang on to the breeze, and hang on to some rain as well. Uh, but this means the temperature is not going to get too cold. We're looking at a minimum of around 10 Celsius. That's outside of towns and cities, a degree or two milder than that uh, towards built-up areas. So for tomorrow, mostly dry. It looks like an improving picture, actually, at least for the middle part of the day we could see some brightness and then towards tomorrow afternoon we'll get some thicker cloud and some outbreaks of rain but the temperature's staying cool at 17 celsius that's 63 degrees in fahrenheit and that's your forecast kate thanks very much if you've got a problem with a company a council or an organization they were really really unhelpful they laughed at me the jvs show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems we have been back 11 visits each time because of the problems my husband's been having since beginning of june i've had no schedule freezer if you need our help email jvs show at bbc.co.uk gentlemen then agreed to refund me my money as of yet he's resold the vehicle and still no refund the jvs show weekdays from nine bbc three counties radio always a good list i've not listened to the uh, i've not had the opportunity to listen to the consumer hour for a, for a while or so so it's, it's always nice to to find out what's going on with those uh, people Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We're talking about this incinerator uh, that uh, could possibly be being built, um, and the uh, protests are taking place today. It's uh, Hertfordshire County Council have approved the plans for the new Barnfield waste plant near Hatfield last October, and the decision will now be reviewed by planning inspectors. Well, protests are taking place today. Mary and Hemmels called in. Mary, what do you think about the incinerator? Well, quite frankly, uh, Ian, I, I wouldn't object to it at all if it was near to me. Uh, it's a case of it's going to produce all this electricity. What, what would they rather have? These dreadful wind farms everywhere that are producing virtually nothing? So you wouldn't mind a huge incinerator built just behind your house? No, not really, because take, let's look at it sensibly. Yes. For a start, they'll be, they'll, it'll be probably surrounded by landscape gardens and trees, so it's not really that visible. Unfortunately, I know there's going to be a lot of lorries on the road, but a lot of traffic on the road anyway. 400 journeys. It was a quiet road once, and now it's, well, it's the main road to Leighton Buzzard, and it's just constant now. Things change. But for the overall good, I think this is what they should be looking at, because I'd rather have something like this on my doorstep than wind farms. Do you really? Am I the only person? We'll do this another day. Am I the only person that thinks wind farms are beautiful? Oh. I think they. I think they look stunning. Where was I? I was driving somewhere the other day. Where was it? Uh, and there was a wind farm by the motorway. I thought it looked wonderful. Yes, it's all very well from a motorway passing them, but the point is, this the sound of them. Have you ever been near them with the sound? Have you? Yes. What sound do they make? It goes. It's quite loud. You can hear it in your house, and it goes. Imagine that 24 hours a day. Property values diminish when they are near to where you are. Well, I don't think property values are going to rise next to this incinerator. Uh, well, 
I don't know because okay, yeah, but it's, look at the outcome when it's it's been landscaped and it's not that visible. Mm. I don't think there's going to be an awful lot of change. Nothing, say, like what the HS2 is going to do to all the people there. Well, we're we're going off on a different track now, literally. Uh, Mary, thank you very much indeed. Well, Justin Dealey has been with protesters this morning. And, Justin, I've, I've, I, it was very passionate when you were with them earlier on today, wasn't it? Absolutely. I'm here in uh, Wellham Green. Um, we spoke to protesters just after 8 o'clock who were very, very unhappy. Uh, this public inquiry is going to be lasting until the 25th of October. Um, the buses uh, left the, the village here in Wellham Green around 10 minutes ago. So what I did, Ian, I popped onto the bus and spoke to a few of those protesters. Again, it was uh, very vocal. Here's what happens. I'm here on the bus, I'm with uh, Ray Riskell. Ray, tell us what you got in your hand there. Oh, it's just a little poster saying about uh, how we just do not want this uh, incinerator. I mean, it's uh, it's too big, it's the overcapacity. They've, we can recycle this area, it's so much easier. Uh, it, there's no reason to have such a huge incinerator. If this does get the go-ahead, how angry would that make you feel? Well, it's ludicrous. I mean, it's, they're putting it in the middle of the uh, housing, huge amount of schools in the area. It's going to poison our children. The, the, the height of this thing, with the plume, is as tall as the shard, and it's going in the centre of housing. This is not fair, and that's the killer. It's not fair. The chimney's so big, it, to try and take these toxins away from us, uh, they're using technology that's just antiquated. Um, it could, it's so much easier way of doing this. We're being lied to, and we're being lied to by the people we've put in power. And there's only one guy that's pushing this, and he's pushing every single Tory councillor to vote his way. It's wrong, and we're being going to be killed. Okay. Um, just finally, um, obviously, to get this far, it's quite an achievement for you to take it to a public inquiry. Do you think you are going to get the result that you want? Yes or no? I don't, I, I've got to fight this all the way. Uh, I don't think we're going to get a result. I think we're going to be lied to by every politician going. Thank you very much indeed. And a final word here with Peter as well. Peter, we spoke to you briefly earlier, um, but you're saying as well that a lot of people trying to sell their properties at the moment just can't because uh, of these plans that we're talking about today. That's right. They're coming to my shop in Wellham Green itself and saying they're trying to sell their houses. The incinerator is coming up on searches and the bottom's just dropping out of the market. I've had people in my shop in tears that a house is worth a million pounds are worth half of that now. Because some would say if, if these plans do go ahead, it will kill the village. Would you argue it's already been killed? It's already been killed. People are moving away from the area. They don't want their children killed by toxins. That's all it boils down to. I've got to get off the bus now. Thank you very much indeed. So the words are again of a few protesters, and I think, Ian, we were here about a year ago and we first spoke about this. Some people, I'm sure, won't really understand the full facts behind it, but one thing you can tell from last year and today again, these people care about their local community. They're saying that if this does go ahead, it will quite literally destroy the village that they've lived in for years and they've loved for years as well. Listen, I wouldn't want one of these uh, bad boys anywhere near me in the slightest. I do, I do think, though that um, uh, Violia and uh, Terry, the councillor we were speaking to earlier on, I do think their arguments are a little bit stronger. I would suggest, and please don't take this in any way a patronising way, I would suggest that the protesters need to work on their arguments a bit mm. better and get some more facts. Just saying, oh, this is going to kill people. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to give people cancer. Yep. Uh, OK, well, you need to present... If that's true, then that's awful, and you need to present the evidence. I think the problem is with this, I think there's so much feeling, uh, and we spoke to Rob Of course there is, of course there is, you can understand He that. just couldn't 
control himself. You know, he's saying today that he'll be going to this public inquiry, and of course, the people that will be going, the protesters, they're not allowed to speak. No. All they can do is sit and listen. Well, I can tell you for a fact right now, and Rob even said this to us earlier, that, that when he gets there, he's not going to be able to sit there and keep quiet. There's every chance today he'll be thrown out because he just can't control his emotions, and I think that's half the problem. The arguments are coming across wrong because there's so much feeling there. But then, if he gets arrested or kicked out, well, how is that going to benefit the cause? It's not going to look good. Um, he's going with his children today as well. Oh. He was dressed up in, in a boiler suit. He, say, he says this represents the village because if this goes ahead, this village will die. That's why he's wearing his boiler suit. But, but earlier on, that rant, his children were surrounding the radio car as well. So he'll be going with his kids today. And if he does get thrown out, you're right, it doesn't look good. But then again, I think you've got to understand that passions are running of incredibly high. Of course. And listen, I'm, I'm uh, d- 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 going to be impartial on this one. All I can say is I certainly wouldn't want one built near me. I just, it, my suggestion to the protesters would be, um, if you can, just turn that passion down a little bit and, and get some get some facts. You know, if you want to put your case forward, it's all well and good saying people are going to get cancer and die. Mm. You, you kind of the other side have got a slightly slightly stronger argument at the moment. That's Absolutely, but I think I think the thing which really gets the people here is something that you mentioned today, something that that I mentioned when I was standing in for you a couple of weeks ago. Veolia, of course, all right, mate. the company behind okay, Veolia, the company behind these plans. Well, uh, they're a massive yeah, commercial organisation. They, they make millions of pounds every single year. If this gets the go-ahead, again, they will make millions of pounds. So why is it then that taxpayers, Hertfordshire County Council, are paying their legal fees of almost a quarter of a million pounds? Now, for the locals here in Wellham Green, around half a mile away from where this site will be, in New Barnfield, in South Hatfield, they just cannot get their heads around that whatsoever. Justin, listen to this. A completely different subject. Ian, I'm with, this is a text from uh, Louise in Hart. I'm with you. When it turns cold and wintry, I love it. Wrap up warm, out kicking leaves in the autumn and winter walks and Christmas markets in the winter. Then snuggling up warm with hot chocolate and homemade brownies. Watching a good old classic film on the telly with the fire on while the leaves, rain or snow comes down outside. Mmm, snuggly. Lovely. Uh, now isn't that that's much better than sitting on a sun lounger in the back garden getting sunburned? Hey, listen, I, I want the best of both worlds. How amazing would it be if you could have that hot chocolate, you could have those marshmallows, you could watch Cocktail or Dirty Dancing? I, th- I don't Under think she meant Cocktail or dirty dancing. I think she meant It's a Wonderful Life or Citizen Kane. It may be nice inside, but when I go outside I like to be nice and hot wearing a t-shirt. When I see the sun and it's nice and warm, it makes me feel good. Justin, thank you very much. I love the fact that Justin Dealey's idea of a classic film is cocktail. (laughs) It's cocktail! What a muppet. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Traffic starting to ease on the M1 southbound. All lanes are now reopened after the accident earlier at Milton Keynes to Bedford. Southbound A1, though, still very slow from St Neots to the Black Cat Roundabout along the A1M from Letchworth to Stevenage and then the A1 into London from the Holiday Inn Junction to Mill Hill Circus. Clockwise, M25 looking pretty decent through the roadworks, but anti-clockwise you have heavy traffic past Enfield. Delays at Kings Langley and queues Chorleywood to the M40. First Capital Connect, 10-minute delays, Peterborough to King's Cross, Letchworth Garden City to Moorgate, it's a signalling problem at Hitchin, London Midland running replacement buses Bedford to Bletchley, and Luton Airport. If you're flying today to France or to other destinations in Europe, you could be affected by industrial action being taken by air traffic controllers in France. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 
Justin Dealey thinks Cocktail is a classic film. We, we may send him out tomorrow to put that to the test. JVS is up next until six tomorrow from me. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Tuesday, and on today's big phone-in, is it acceptable to tell some women to stop having children? Louise Casey, the head of the government's Troubled Families programme,